the biggest indie movie to date, some of the best games PS2 has to offer, and you've got an appointment with Dr. Giggles this week on 30 Hello, everyone, and welcome to 302010, the Laser Time Network's weekly pop culture time machine, taking you on a lovely little journey across the decades, 30, 20, and 10 years back in time. Hi, I'm one of your hosts, Chris Antista. Who is with me? I'm Diana Goodman, and I, I, not going to play Vasity. And I'm J.R. Rawls, and as long as I can remember, I wanted to be a low polygonal gangster in a city that was a caricature of Miami in the 1980s. Okay, look at this. This is the we, you both did references to the same thing. I can't even believe it. But yeah, this is going to be a wonderful show. There are so many wonderful obscurities, atrocities, and some classics to talk about. It's been a weird week. How are you guys? All good. Yeah, we've all had a rough week. That's what that means. That's what that bit of silence means. I have never been naked in the presence of vanilla ice, and therefore, oh. I'm doing okay. Okay. <laughs> Gotta I say, some no idea what that's in reference to. Oh, we're we, about to talk. We'll talk about it in a second. Yeah, as we always do, we talk about uh, from this week. We're talking about October 21st to the 27th, and that means we'll be covering 1992 in that week span, 2002 and 2012, 30, 20, 10 years ago. Get it? Once again, thank you so much to our patrons. We're recording another Chucky episode, trying to wrap up season. Three of Elm Street Nightmare a couple years late, but whatever. And uh, Video Game Apocalypse this week is, oh, Ghostbusters laden, so listen to that too. Patreon.com slash laser time, five bucks, get you uh, hundreds of movie commentaries, extra extra podcasts, any extra we get, just five bucks, all we're asking. Want to pay more, we'll give you some executive producer credits. But anyway, let's move on. 1992, October 21st to the 27th. This is for our show, all Hallows Eve Eve, week before yeah. Halloween. Probably going to wrap up the spooky stuff here. Unless yeah, because you don't release Halloween stuff on Halloween Day. That's stupid. Unless you're Netflix and the Adams Family show comes out after Halloween. What was the point of that? Anyway. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. ooh. In some of the 2012 segments, not oh, this year, but next year, I think Simpsons. we'll get a Treehouse of uh. Horrors after Halloween. That happened a depressing ah, amount of times. Fuck baseball. Fuck baseball. Fuck all sports. Maybe we might have some sports news, I think. Did the Braves play the Blue Jays in the World Series? They might have 30 years ago and lost. Uh, I I don't remember. But let's get into some news of 1992. October 21st to 27th. Tipper Gore, wife of the future vice president and current, I don't want to call her Bible thumpy, but let's call her Helen Lovejoy. (laughs) Who doesn't like explicit things being sold to children? I know. Who does? So So, more of a killjoy than a lovejoy. There you go. How about that? (laughs) She admits to covering her clock on the VCR with black tape so she wouldn't uh, have to watch it blink. Yeah, so this is a common thing. It's the <laughs> blinking 12 problem is a very common software hardware feature that is rendered unusable for the majority of users due to the complexity of using it. It's, it's, it's so, a thing. I'd say it's so dumb, but I got so, you know, in this era, I got great at handling a VCR. I had an old VCR... To record things, I'd hit a button called OTR. I don't even know what it meant. The record button didn't work. I had to learn every aspect of the thing. Changing the clock wasn't a thing. And then I, right before I was going to make that statement, I walked by my stove. 
and <laughs> every time we lose power, the stove loses its its time, and it, I just don't care at all. And I, I it, it may be better off with black tape over it, but I I may use a VCR in 2022 more than I use a stove. I'm sorry to say. I'm sorry to say. Lots of oh, yeah, my, my mom always had me program the VCR, oh, yeah. do anything with it. It's and you know, it was not as intuitive as an iPhone is. I mean, they spend so much money trying to make using your modern iPhone and tech as intuitive as possible. Oh, yeah. And you've been trained to use it for like 20 years now, mm -hmm. but the VCR was still kind of new for most people in yep. 92. That and the only time you see black tape on a device nowadays is on the laptop camera for most men who are over <laughs> the age of 40 or 50. Usually, I even see it on some of my... Never mind, but <laughs> never mind. I have a camera I have a camera cover on a bunch of my stuff, too. I mean, you yeah. could just dismantle the camera altogether. No, but I want the camera still there if I choose to use it. I, you, you don't. We're using it different anyway. Yeah. But anyway, it's kind of funny that, like, originally this wasn't a problem with VCRs until VCRs got, like, good and you could do a lot of programming to yeah. recording. Yes. And, and you actually needed to set the clock. Like, my our first VCR, which is this massive wood-paneled thing. Yep. It had a clock on it, but it was just a clock. It didn't. Yeah, the program it to record. It only became important, yeah, when you needed to set a time to record something, which is so much more commitment, I think, than even I remember. You need to make sure you have a tape in there designated at set at the right point because it's not going to rewind or fast forward for you at the end of whatever you last recorded. You need to make sure nobody touches it for the duration of however long that timer is going off. Nobody uses the VCR, and 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 then and then. It can only record in real time. It has to just sit there on that thing. And that's not how like even DVRs work now, do they? I don't know. I don't have DVR. Yeah. Have... No, DVR re records in real time. But they don't have to, yeah. they have to sit on that channel? No. no. No, you can do whatever you want. There yeah. you go. And uh, speaking of technology, George W. Bush looks at his watch during the presidential debate. This is such a nothing, but it gets brought up time and again. I guarantee you. The next presidential debate, someone is going to bring up the George W. Bush looking at his watch moment when they're doing all their punditry because it's just this H. like, sorry, you're right. George H.W. Bush looking at his watch. It's such a it's referenced in every single discussion about presidential debates. And it's just a dude looking at his watch going like, OK, how long is this going? And I, yeah. I, I think what they were what trying to make it sound like it was time, they have timers that they can see when they're talking. But that's not what he was looking for. But I think it was it was meant to convey he he looks to he looks to like he feels too important to be up here with these guys. And in some respect, he was. He <laughs> he had a much busier job he needed to do than argue with people like Ross Perot. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I don't think him looking at his watch, I don't think HW looking at his watch is going to be like in the supercut anymore. Just either. because we've had so many fucking car wrecks since then. I oh, think yeah. one candidate saying to the president of the United States, man, will you shut up during a debate? <laughs> and he a thousand percent deserved it. Yes. Yeah, I think looking at your watch is fine. Oh, it should be interesting. Uh, and then last <laughs> news of the week. And this was like the thing it's everybody's the really paying attention to. Yeah. Madonna's book Sex goes on sale. I'm sorry. I didn't know it was originally supposed to be called X until she found out Spike Lee's making a movie. Uh. <laughs> Oh, a lot of disappointed Black Panthers out there, if that had been oh, the case. Oh, damn. The hype machine for this was 
insane. I, I, this is not the most controversial book of all time, but this is 100% the most controversial book by a musician mm-hmm. of all time. I can see it. Or coffee table book. It's yeah. basically a coffee table book. I, it's, yeah. it's, a, at, at its core, it's a photography book, and it yeah. doesn't cross any boundaries most photography books do. There's going to be some nudity in there. However, they were famous people. Mm. And it's, it's yeah. one of those things like, I go back and forth. Is Madonna a genius or is she not? But like to do this when everybody hated her for it, knowing full well what it would do for her and her career, like you go, girl. That was <laughs> a very, oh. very wonderful, controversial, like a uh, artistic move to piss off all the right people and make some money. Mm-hmm. So this is what you were referring to, Vanilla Ice. Yes. Oh yes. Because oh yes, Vanilla Ice is in this book. I only heard it brought up recently. It- it's something we should probably talk about, given. what Vanilla Ice looks amazing. Like, how does he do it? How does he look? <laughs> Vanilla Ice, Google him now, doesn't look like he has aged one second from when he had a song in the charts 31 years ago. <laughs> he looks fantastic. Healthy living. Good I diet, guess. you know. I um, guess that Florida life. He's <laughs> been active remodeling houses, apparently. Has he? Yep. Yeah. Well, go Nilla. He certainly, certainly he has hasn't like, been in the studio. He has an 11-season television what? show all about him remodeling houses. <laughs> What? God. I'm not making this yeah. up, I swear to God. No, I believe no, you. That is, that is a real thing. Yeah, so it's the book is called Sex, yes. and it's got this, it's sold sealed with this aluminum shiny cover. It's 50 bucks US. That's $100 today. And one printing, it's never been reprinted, but you can get it on eBay for less than 50 bucks now. <laughs> That's because everyone bought it, and they were like, yeah. you know, I really don't need to have this book of Madonna's nipples 30 years later. Not only that, I, I believe I finally saw, you can look it up. There's websites that have the entire book archived. Oh, yeah. And, um, and, yeah. and you, can, you can look at JPEGs and all that stuff. But it was, I didn't see it till years later. And I, I, now that you bring it up, I don't think it was because like, oh, it's so hard to get. Because, you know, we had like a wayward Playboy would make it in our hands every once in a while. But a Playboy wasn't $50. There was no kid out there who could shell out 50 bucks for this kind of like, Softcore pornography, not at all. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. all it is. It's softcore pornography. I mean, and they've got like, oh no, there's gay stuff, and oh, there's a little bit of bondage, and so. It's... I mean, I'm I'm just a jaded San Franciscan, where it's like, oh look, a naked guy's. I'm walking down the street. I just don't even care anymore. But the last okay. couple of Wachowski then, projects has some... been more scandalous. Well, it's because yeah. it's a famous person. I mean, if yeah, this was not starring Madonna, who was up there with Michael Jackson as you know the biggest singer of the 1980s, mm-hmm. you know, no one would have bought this. But because it's a famous person, and I'm trying to think in the last 30 years, you know, it's not like Britney did this. It's not like Taylor Swift did this. No, who has anyone super like ultra, ultra famous been like, here's my erotic artwork. Look at it, world. Mm. Yeah. And it's such an, it, mm. I'm guessing James Franco somewhere, but, but, <laughs> but, but, but like no, nobody cared as much because, you know, if it wasn't clear, Madonna is kind of one of the most famous people who will ever live. And I'm not okay. sure we'll see in anything as meteoric as, as her, but it just, yeah, bizarre move. People usually entertainers like her tend to go towards the books in the form of a memoir when their career is waning. And she didn't wait to do that. Uh, her career was doing fine. <laughs> well, it's a memoir in that it's a bunch of artsy naked photos and also her ruminations on thinking about sex 
mm-hmm. including the part about talking about how much she loves her pussy. And it's really like the summation of her existence. And it's, it really just sounds like someone got high and started rambling about like, <laughs> but stuff's okay. I don't know why everyone's so uptight. Whatever. Like do what feels good, I suppose. And someone wrote it down. <laughs> yeah. Get your colonic and, and make it happen. That sounds, wow. What an interesting thought. It's like, that's the most boring thought of like, here, direct quote, quote, ass fucking is the most pleasurable way to get fucked and it hurts the most too. <laughs> sure. Thanks, Madonna. It just sounds like a drunk guy. Thanks, Madonna. A so, drunk guy who needs to get thrown out of this bar. Madonna's highest selling album is 23rd on the list of highest selling albums of all oh, wow. time. I figured it'd be higher. Dang. That's still pretty high. Yeah, and, and she in her career spanned like the early '80s to the late 2000s, and I think not yeah. a lot of them. Yeah, just... the only modern forty years, man. Mm-hmm. The only modern singer who has a higher selling album than her is Adele. All wow. the other people above it are kind of before Madonna or contemporaries of Madonna. And I don't think they sold Madonna albums in fucking gas stations. Dell, I don't know how you did it, but it's brilliant. Anyway, let's move on to the movies of 1992. Under Siege is still number one at the box office. If you doubt Steven Seagal's popularity in the early 90s, holy shit, that's like three, four weeks and going? Under Siege. Mm-hmm. Three weeks, yeah, but there's nothing to challenge it really. Yeah, it yeah, like, just uh, but I, I, horror movies now are tend to be what hit number one during this period, no matter what the nature of the blockbuster is. But we have some other movies to talk about of varying degrees of quality, uh, including uh, Matt Clark, Dottie Goodman, uh, Larry Miller, Corbin Burnson, and Shelley Long in Frozen Assets. Oh no, it's <laughs> the insemination comedy we were all asking for. Oh, this boy. is a great week for LA Law cast members, by the way. <laughs> Just throw that out. Uh, so, oh. yeah, the whole thing about this film is a guy works at a bank and he's not doing so well. So, they put him in charge of a bank and say, make this bank a success. But instead of a money bank, it's a sperm bank. Chris, you ever been to a sperm bank? Yeah, it's got a great interest rate. <laughs> I, yeah, uh, no. So I went to one. It's very boring, very clinical. There is nothing like wackety schmackety about one in the slightest. But, you know, the, the, the joke is uh, th- there's sperm in here. Get it? LOL. Get it? <laughs> LOL. And it, we, it, 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 there was, I mean, there's a lot of these that, uh, if you've listened to our bonus times in the past, a lot of these sort of hit close to home because people, artificial insemination was becoming bigger and sperm banks were becoming bigger. And there were even stories about doctors who were getting high in their own supply, let's say. That's probably not mm-hmm. the best. Don't visualize what I just said. It's just <laughs> the best thing I could think of. Uh, and yeah, one of our, a couple people I know have found out through some genealogy tests, like, yeah, that was happening a lot back then. You know, you've probably been starting a sperm bank, uh, you know, somewhere in your own house. Why not donate a little, a couple polywogs to people in need? There are people they're, out there who are starving. very, very uh, restrictive. Yeah. They don't allow just anyone to do it. But yeah. Man. Yeah. Because <laughs> the... Uh, Demand and supply are not an equal ratio. Um, you don't say. Yeah. Uh, but Siskel and Ebert hated this film. Ooh, I cannot wait to see. <laughs> that, that, that makes it sound good. They get the second worst comedy ever made. Okay, they won't the, do no, that. Not even the worst comedy ever made, just the worst movie ever made. I don't know. 
You know the theory of reincarnation where the dues we pay in this lifetime, yes. we may get to collect in another <laughs> lifetime. For having seen this movie, I want months and months and months in a beautiful valley with honey <laughs> and nectar and zephyr-like breezes. I mean, years, perhaps, would be appropriate. I have never seen them both so happy with one another than they're, like, brutally <laughs> shitting on a film. But that's Frozen Assets. Tell us your sperm stories. J.R. Rawls on Twitter. Also out this week, Seabor Cassell, Will Patton, uh, Jennifer Beals and Steve Buscemi and in the soup. Uh, this is one I've wanted to see for a long time and had trouble finding. Mm. Did either of you guys find this? No. Because I've heard of this as being a lot of fun because it's about Steve Buscemi is a screenwriter who's written this massive screenplay that's just too fucking long to be a movie, but he's he won't cut a word, goddammit. He's determined. And so he goes looking for someone to produce it and he ends up with Seymour Cassell, who seems mob affiliated. Mm-hmm. That sounds like fun. It does. <laughs> it does. So this had a Kickstarter campaign thing... to restore the print because it's that lost. Oh. Wow. Mm-hmm. The only thing I could find out about this film is that this is the film that beat Reservoir Dogs at Sundance. Whoa, wow. damn. No, right? What? No, I, I think for a while I probably got this confused with Living in Oblivion because it's oh, also yeah. about indie filmmakers. But yeah, I've heard this is a lot of fun. And I'm kind of bummed that I could not find it. So hopefully someone will take it upon themselves. Beating Reservoir Dogs at Sundance. It, Reservoir Dogs was like the story out of Sundance. Like everyone would go was going crazy for it. But yeah. yeah, I think you got to remember there was probably still a bunch of like, it's 92. There's probably some film reviewers from the 50s. And they have probably yeah. don't like Reservoir Dogs at all. And, <laughs> and true. Yeah, they, true. It, it's it's com- more controversial for them than it is good or worth recommending. But goddamn, now I wish we had mentioned it back in January when it was Sundance time with like Steve Buscemi, the king of Park City, Utah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, another movie I had not heard of until we started researching the show, Regis Philbin, <laughs> Henry Milgan, Barry Primus, Eli Wallach, uh, Cliff Gorman, Jack Warden, Alan King, Jessica Lange, and Robert De Niro. Just for the audience, Robert De Niro only seems like he's the same age as like six people in that cast because he is now. He was not then. Uh, all, that's a lot of dead people in the cast. Just looking at it. Night in the City. Yep. Yeah, Night in the City, which is a remake slash readaptation of a book from the 30s, which is about pro wrestling then. Hey. And the, the 50s version is. But this one is about boxing because under like professional wrestling that's like real is like not really a sport anymore. Mm. Yeah. Well, boxing is. We understand boxing. So Robert De Niro plays a total fucking shyster who starts getting involved in fight promotion. And it's okay. Like, I mean, it, I was like kind of bombed. It was like, I guess my expectations were a bit high. Mine were but, too high. I saw Robert yeah. De Niro. Yeah, it's a noir film. Mm-hmm. It's a remake of a classic. Okay. And it just felt like they were trying too hard. Like Robert De Niro's character seems like a con man you know when he played that comedian guy oh in uh, king of comedy, king of comedy. Yes. Rupert yeah, yeah it seems like he was almost doing his character from that in this mm-hmm. this like fast talking wheeling dealing lawyer who's just like so crazy it didn't seem real to me mm. part of the reason my expectations were high is because it's written by richard price who'd mm-hmm. previously written the color of money you know or since then he's the wire and the night of and uh, clockers right. and like he's a hell of a freaking writer and it's like if anyone could crack this i, I figured he could and it's like uh, it's okay 
Okay. It's got some beautiful shots of dirty, grimy, crime-filled New York. You know, if you want to yeah. see why Giuliani was elected, just look at the streets in this film. <laughs> I remember everyone was raving about Alan King. Like, Alan King is, you know, a comic. He's really good in this. I oh. love him in Cat's Eye. Got to see it every Halloween. Yeah. So, yeah, Night in the City is just sort of a, eh. mm. That was not the movie I was most wanting to see. Because I was not a huge De Niro fan at 12. No, no. It was near Halloween. It was our next movie. Dougie Doug. uh, Nancy Fish. John Vickery. Michelle Johnson. uh, Richard Bradford. Keith Diamond. Glenn Quinn. Cliff DeYoung. Holly Marie Combs. And of course, eventual dark man himself, Larry Drake. It's Dr. Giggles. It's time to make an appointment. Scalpel. It'll be good for your health. Trust me, I'm a doctor. Oh, oh sorry. The doctor's insane. <laughs> How about a free examination? Get ready to take your medicine. If you think that's bad, when you get my bill? I hope you have protection. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Giggles. It's a good thing I make house calls. Bring it on. Holy shit. The uh, uh, Larry Drake does not ever play Dark Man. He is the bad guy in Dark Man. No, in the Dark Man 2 and 3. Yeah. Cl- the Return of Durant. The Return of Durant. Uh, oh, wait, no, that's right. He just wears him as a mask every once in a while. No, I think he does yeah, become exactly. kind of the hero uh, at some yeah. point. Yeah, so again, a hell of a week for Ella and its cast members because he plays the mentally challenged office assistant on that show. <laughs> and here he is just running around giggling and stabbing everybody. Yeah, this 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 was um another another what I would consider a disappointment for budding horror fan Christopher Antista, just that looking at it now, like it 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 was intentionally trying to be funny, but like it didn't feel like horror movies were really doing that yet. And it is mm incredibly cheesy and has a higher body count almost twice as much than your average Jason or Freddy movie because this guy, you know, is a doctor and he can kill people clinically. And by that, I mean, sometimes boringly. Yeah. You like to chase people around and remove their hearts or whatever's because what his dad was also a crazy doctor. His dad was a crazy doctor who murdered people and he's getting revenge on his father for what he deserved. I don't know. (laughs) So, I didn't watch this film. I did watch a couple of clips on YouTube. And Chris, can you provide a little context? Because I saw a scene where the teenagers who all look like they're 30 years old, <laughs> one of them finds his mom's underwear and gets very excited for his girlfriend to wear his mom's underwear. That was yeah. huge in 1992. We were all going through a bit of a mom phase. It's what Pornhub looked like back then. Pre-incest porn. It was all about the moms. Mom's underwear. No, I, I can't explain. I can't explain that at all because, like, I watched a little bit of this too, and it was it rained rang, rang a little hollow in just uh, the nature of being a. We loved like uh, just as a kid, I took horror very seriously, and even when it was being silly, I thought it was even more sadistic. And this just has like silliness written all over it. It comes from a silly place. I, I think the concept is really solid, though, totally. because we give doctors permission to invade our bodily totally. space all the time. So if one of them is a psycho, they could do a ridiculous amount of damage. So I think it's a, a scary concept in and of itself. It just looks to me like the execution didn't go anywhere, but it, it did seem to have a little cultural lasting effect. Have totally. you ever played Dead by Daylight? Of course. You know the doctor character in that? Yeah. 
That's Dr. I mean, Giggles, right? They're just know. basing him off of, I don't know, it looks like it to me. I Perhaps. Mean, but I, it, most, even looking into like some of the fandom around this, because like I've seen this a bunch, most kids of this era who cared about the genre did. It just feels like there's a couple scenes that probably scared the shit out of you, but this is nobody's favorite horror movie. No. I would, I would <laughs> imagine, even though most horror fans have seen it and maybe take some delight in it. I, I, I got kind of bored and it was like exactly what I remembered and uh, just a little too silly for my taste. Um, and I, I like, I, I love a horror movie that's unintentionally silly with, ba- but this is like, these are like good actors and like an accomplished director. Speaking of things I didn't care for, something mm-hmm. I have kind of fought tooth and nail for ever watching more than five minutes of. All right. As we get into the end of 1992, I'm going to declare that, we might be talking about the year of the soundtrack is more important than the movie. Who oh, cares? <laughs> oh yes. Oh yes. But I mean, that's, that's always, that's always been a thing. A musician rises to some popular echelon. I just, from all, everything I read about it, I don't know if that was it for this. It was a, an existing tale that just so happened. Like, what if we got this country music star to play the lead role? It was a very low budget film. Molly McClure, Rory Calhoun, John Doe, Kyle Chandler, uh, Isabel yeah, Blazer, yeah, Leslie Ann Warren, and George Strait in Pure Country. You can hear it in his music. You can feel it in the words. George Strait. Like Pony Express in the wild, wild west, I'll ride hard all night long. One of America's most popular country singers stars in his first motion picture. It's more fun than I've had in a long time. You really can't play that thing, huh? Featuring ten new recordings. George Strait, Pure Country, rated PG, starts Friday. The song right there is Sing a Song About the Heartland. That is still a huge country song because country doesn't change or in in modern radio doesn't invite in a lot of new art. But George Strait was huge. Even when I was listening to a little bit of modern country, I thought he was like the boring default. And (laughs) But good looking guy and by all accounts does a great job and is kind of his biggest movie role, playing a country singer. (laughs) Mm. Yeah. I mean, this really seems like someone wrote a script and it was just begging to have a real person plugged into it. So go for it, because it's about someone who's a great big country singer, but it's all about like the flash and the spectacle. And it's not about the music, man. 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 Mm. And so uh, he runs away from all that and like goes to live on a ranch and he like meets a cowgirl and they bond and he rediscovers his love of the music, man. (laughs) And meanwhile... It, a, a weird subplot, though, is that baby Kyle Chandler basically be, becomes George Strait. He just sort of like, I'll just go on stage as him and lip sync and no one will notice. Ooh. And don't. And then he blackmails his, her man, his manager about like, I could keep doing this. Also, this makes you look fucking terrible considering no one noticed that your star's not even on stage. I'm a little star is born, actually. Yeah, a little bit. So, yeah, no, I like George Strait. But it is sort of like this. It's like I don't want to call it basic bitch country, That's but it is what sort I was of like saying. median, whatever the country median is, like the middle, perfect. It's the perfect middle of what country music. But is. I also believe he is who he is and what he he believes what he's singing about. Apparently, he objected to any curse words being in this movie. <laughs> all together just because that's who he is and i knew he was a big christian back in the day as well but uh this, this got a straight to video sequel <laughs> like 20 20 something years later pure country to the gift and this is like it's the album pure country is really more 
Uh, is more known, more remembered, all the original songs. I didn't know it was that huge until that promo, because like I just thought those were just George Strait songs, not from any movie. But those are, yeah, I had my back wax recently, and there's country playing in the background. I think I heard one of these. Speaking of uh, high-selling singers of all time, George Strait's on that list, too. Wow, really? Yeah, if you just don't follow country, you, you might not notice that. But, <laughs> oh, yeah, 120 million records worldwide of all time. God damn. Wow. Yeah, okay. This is yeah, I like I like George Strait. Just I don't really care about this movie so much. No, no, but... I, I did. I, yeah, I've always been super bored by the idea of sitting through it and refused to do it this episode because there were too many fun <laughs> things to talk about, like Halloween episodes of TV shows I was watching. Yeah. So we move into TV, uh, October twenty first through the twenty seventh of nineteen ninety two. We got the World Series. The Toronto Blue Jays beat the Braves, uh, becoming the first non US team to win the title. Sorry. They come hit the World Series this whole fucking time. Wow. <laughs> Unbelievable. Liars. Unbelievable. Yeah, of course it's not named after the world world as as we know but yeah so you can sh- see a map of all the world series winners there's the u.s canada and that's it i i really wish i don't know i don't know baseball enough could we ever get some japanese teams to play yeah i would love that just try yeah get some Exhibition. caribbean teams in there man baseball yeah. huge in like dominica yeah that's usually who's like if you watch the little league world series it's almost yeah. always like dominican teams and the cuban teams and like fuck yeah let's play them dude bring them in but- well, if the bad news bears go to Japan has taught me anything, it's that it'll be a, a really fun game. Also out this week, the, the commish, the Rolodex madam. It's better. Be so, so, so yeah, a socialite running a call girl service is murdered. And then it's shown that the commish is listed as a client. And dun, dun, dun. Hey, man, you whoring. Yeah, but it's shown that he was added in as a way to discredit the real clients. And, you know, this in this television show that the clients are exposed because they really want you to know it's fiction. (laughs) That's actually really smart, though. I mean, because like, yeah, it's a Rolodex is literally going to be like pieces of paper with people's names and numbers on them. So, yeah, put in everybody, put in the Pope. Like, yeah. why, why is your name Why is your name in this Rolodex of all these Johns? Well, you can't well, tell which is which. <laughs> yep. That, yeah. That's that's our advice to all you pimps out there. <laughs> yeah. Who write it all down on paper. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and and then and then we have the shows I was watching. Well, oh, oh God. Uh, Blossom, All Hallows Eve. Blossom Halloween yeah. special. Uh, a series. I, I just love these goofy Halloween episodes of goofy sitcoms. They just bring a smile to my face. I, I rewatched this. It's stupid. It's dumb. A series of unlikely events make Joey whoa seem like he's a masked maniac attacking the house. And then everything is resolved at the end because the siblings don't snitch at each other and the father goes i'm going to believe your series of lies because you're not snitching on each other as as difficult as it is is to recommend a roseanne episode in 2022 i did very much love the show but i love not being able to recommend halloween four the fourth halloween roseanne episode which is Kind of a Christmas carol. <laughs> it is. It's, it's 100% a, it's a, a Christmas, Christmas carol. carol. They have the ghost of Halloween past, present, and future. And that is just such a easy, dramatic way to write anything. You know, yeah. it, it. you barely have to work. The scenes write themselves for any time you do a Christmas carol, even if it's in Halloween. And, but like complaint, Google 
pictures from this episode, the Connors are poor. Their costumes are like Met Gala level creative and with a ton of work put in. Well, that's why they stay poor. (laughs) (laughs) Dana Jackie's costume looks like it cost like thousands of dollars. DJ is Hannibal Lecter, right down to the authentic <laughs> mask, which I have never been able to find. And <laughs> But yes, a, a Christmas episode of Roseanne's Halloween. And then last but hardly leastly, I couldn't believe this was real at all. Ah, I've been waiting for this for a while. The LA episode, episode, LA Lawless, with guest star Dan Castellaneta. I, here's the, I remember Dan Castellaneta and what goes on with him. I forgot that this is the episode where they address, oh, right, we take place in Los Angeles and riots happened. So the riots break out during this episode. Wow. And they kind of treat it like it's a joke. But all the Dan Castellaneta portions of this episode are on YouTube. And so you just get the whole case straight through. And A, it's adorable. B, he does a really good job and has a very heartfelt speech. And C, I don't understand how an NBC show, which is still very popular, could get Simpsons IP on without any problem whatsoever. Apparently. Yeah, it's all over this episode and maybe referenced in this clip. Mr. Champion, I am trying to prepare you for what you'll be asked on the witness stand. Family Land is a major Hollywood power. They will try anything to undermine your credibility. Figures, another victim of an organization that takes its best and brightest and dims their bulbs. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't know it was loaded. That is, that is a guy in a Homer costume... Is that Dan Castellaneta in the Homer costume? Yeah. 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 I, I solved the mystery. I solved the mystery. L.A. Law is owned by 20th Century Fox last 20th uh, Century. So uh, they, they own the Simpsons so, as well, even though it airs on NBC. Yeah, so Dan Castellaneta, the real voice of Homer Simpson, plays a guy who is in a Homer Simpson costume at an amusement park who breaks the illusion. He gets sick, takes the head off, and throws up. And this traumatizes the children, and so he's fired. And that's based on a thing that actually did happen at Disneyland, where someone accidentally saw Winnie the Pooh with his head off and then sued. But he's basically arguing, I just deserve my job back. The head is really hot. I might have had food poisoning. This is, you know, unfair. And they demonstrate this to, to the jury with an image that I will never be able to get out of my head where they bring in 12 of these homer simpson heads and they put them on the jury so they can experience what it's like to wear a costume (laughs) and it's such a funny shot oh my god i love it so much and yeah dan castellaneta's character gives like a really heartfelt speech about like how great it is to have like children light up when they see you and run towards you and you know bringing joy to their little lives again i believe at this point Fox was super restrictive on where and when they could do the voices, and the voice actors were complaining, like, I can't do this voice on a talk show, like, without ah. permission. And they, they, they've totally relented on that, but that was something that ha- that may have been over by this point. But uh, it, it still seems bizarre, because I'd never heard of this till we till one of you guys brought it up. I'd never heard of this episode. Oh, L.A. So Lawless. Anyway, speaking of The Simpsons, as we move into games, 1992, uh, October 21st to the 27th, we got The, uh, the Simpsons' Bart's Nightmare of all the incredibly terrible Simpsons console games. I hate this the least. Yeah, I was going to say this I, is the least bad. It's not a good game. It is not a good game, but it's not actively a bad game the way most of the rest are. It's multiple bad games. Uh, <laughs> it's got one of the most confusing overworlds ever, but in its defense, it's taking place during a dream. It's very moody. It's such a weird over overlay for that level, but then play as Bartzilla. You know the name of that street? Uh, Evergreen Terrace? 
No, they oh. named it Windy Terrace for some Windy reason Terrace. to show you it's a dream. Because you have to. That's right. Because the pages blow down the street, and then you jump into the pages and you play the different mini games: an Indiana Jones style mini game, a hot air balloon mini game, the game where you can play as Bartzilla. A mini game. Uh, you know, and the, the really drawing I feel like from seasons one, two, and a dash of three of The Simpsons here. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's my feeling uh, as they're, but it's it's mainly early Simpsons. All the references are, of course, early Simpsons because The Simpsons is still pretty new. I would say nostalgia is the only reason to play this game. My son at this point has watched far more episodes of The Simpsons than I have. We have mm-hmm. Disney Plus. He's just plowing through the later seasons that I've never seen. So he's familiar with The Simpsons. I handed this to him and he just like noped out in in like a minute, a minute 30 maybe. I was wondering though, could you do a Simpsons collective like that Turtles Cowabunga collection? I fucking hope so. That's the only way I'd spring for anything like that. I would love to have them all together in one place and playable again. What I'd really like is like, a redo of 16 or 8-bit Simpsons with modern game design. Mm. Like, just full-on be like, yeah, all those games sucked, but you love the Simpsons characters. You love playing in a 16-bit world. Here they are. We get it. It's hard to make a game with the Simpsons, but, like, you made a Radioactive Man game, and it was worse than all of them combined. How did you do (laughs) that? It's just a superhero game. Shoot stuff. Anyway, speaking of bad license games. There really hasn't been a Simpson game since... uh, 07. Tapped out. Then tapped out, yeah. Tapped out just replaced everything it's like nope we're not doing any more games it's tapped out from here on out donut monetization forever and speaking of bad license experience home Home alone 2 lost in new york for super nintendo oh boy okay this is dedicated to tom d height a programmer who died shortly before it was released and the only thing I have been able to find out on the internet about Tom D. Height is that Home Loan 2, lost in New York for the Super Nintendo, is dedicated to him. That is his legacy on this planet. That is what, for eons, people will remember him. There's this Onion article, thanks for dedicating that mediocre sitcom episode to my memory. And it's all about a guy who died on the set of Veronica's Closet. So (laughs) they dedicated that episode of Veronica's Closet to him. And he's just writing in the afterlife, being super sarcastic of, oh, wow, summing up my entire life with an episode of Veronica's Closet. Really? The whole episode? I mean, it is the one where she gets a cat. You want to give me that? (laughs) Fuckers. And I just feel so bad for Tom D. Height. If there is an afterlife, looking down, going, yep, Home Alone 2, Lost in New York, where you really want to dedicate that whole game to me, even the part where the suitcases attack you? And, and, and let's not forget Thanks. the bats from Home Alone too. And uh, oh my God, this is well. I guess I'll give him credit for coming out before the movie. I'm yeah. giving credit because we streamed it on uh, YouTube.com/slash/LaserTime to completion. And Dave Rudden, Diamond Dog Dave Rudden, has an enormous amount of patience for this kind of stuff. And I couldn't believe he finished it in less than two hours because it is mostly incomprehensible and just a giant airplane hangar where you run around a hotel and collect nothing. A game I wish I would have played was King of the Monsters Super Nintendo. It's a wrestling game, oh, except yes. instead of wrestlers, you're giant monsters. Yep. Yay. It's popular Neo Geo game. We talked about it before. Also out this week, uh, Wings 2, Ace is High, now featuring a uh, playable LOL. No, it's not a Wings game based on the sitcom. It's some <laughs> other franchise. 
That's... It's mode seven, the game. It's like, we've got this mode seven on the Super Nintendo. By God, we're going to use it. It's a rare World War One game, you know. Oh. Uh, World War One, I, I feel, is mainly forgotten in popular culture with the sole exception of dogfighting. Like, mm. you can mm. still get some references to World War One dogfighting. But other than that... The most famous World War One soldier tends to be Snoopy. <laughs> and that's not good. I got to give this game credit, though. Mm. When you lose a life in this game, you lose a life. Every death is a dead pilot. <laughs> kind of dark for a Super yeah, Nintendo game, honestly. Uh, and, and then... I, I love Qbert so much, but boy, I could not follow him into his disastrous latter day appearances. There's nothing bad about Qbert three except that it's Qbert. <laughs> yeah, I mean Q-Bert. what do you expect a Qbert game to do? This does it in sixteen bit. Yep, that's it. Except now you bounce on teeth and clouds boxes. and boxes and it's as far as Qbert the traditional game could ever go. That's the problem. I don't know how you advance the Qbert universe. <laughs> What's the them... mythos on Qbert? Yeah. You gotta give them arms. Uh, there's a whole cartoon show about it, and it's set in the 50s, and it's weird. But then also this week is Final Fantasy Mystic Quest, and that's a little more fun. This is a game that's designed to be people's first RPG, mm-hmm. and people who played like every other Final Fantasy tend to not like it for that reason. Mm. Right, 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 right. Because we were still, we, Final Fantasy was not the huge hit that it was in America. We're up to three. Do we have three yet? Finally, I think. No, that was like '94, and that was six. R three. Anyway, movie Super Double Dragon is out this week. Speaking of just killer beginning game franchises showing their showing their age, Super Double Dragon. I love Double yeah. Dragon. Double Dragon is always going to be a go-to game for me on the NES. Mm -hmm. I just have super fond memories of that. But Double Dragon 3 was a flop, so there was a lot of worry on this game. If it could make the jump to the Super Nintendo and it moved to the Super Nintendo with great fanfare. But the problem is, in 1992, there was no nostalgia for Double Dragon. And so this game just felt old. Yep, Video games were leaving the double dragon gameplay behind and whatever and this what, the belt scroller the beat em up whatever you want to call it it was being done better in either arcades or by like final fight and streets of rage so double mm-hmm. dragon looked like it was left fine they had to they had to team up with the battle toads just to get one more shot at relevance this is true that is not just a punchline expect the diana no. to laugh acknowledging battle toads <laughs> uh and no. then lastly we have hook on super nintendo which i just hate the movie yeah. came out in december <laughs> last yeah. year yeah yeah yeah, that's the it, games take time. It's not like making a beach towel where it's just like, all right, this is coming out in a month. Print out these beach towels. Especially this now, developer, they, which is Sony, weirdly. Mm. Well, <laughs> yeah. It's a horrible game. There's one little nice touch that I got to give it credit for. In the beginning level, you're fighting against the Lost Boys. And when you defeat them, you're playing as Peter Pan, old Peter Pan. And when you defeat the Lost Boys, they don't die, they surrender because they're playing a game with you. I I, yeah. I wanted to give yeah. it a little credit for that. I want to give it a bunch of shit, because we played the Sega CD version, which is exactly the same, but they just included score the score from the movie and got us copyright strikes. Thanks a lot, Sega CD. <laughs> and then moving Who on last... out there mm-hmm. doing copyright on the Hook, on the hook score soundtrack. 30 years later? It's, it's like... Your boy, John you Williams. Have these digital downloads of all these people buying the Hook score. It's in your boy, 20... John Williams, out there sending in oh, season no. assists. <laughs> They're diluting our brand. 
Although um, I would legit love it if Netflix just offered Spielberg a bunch of money and said, we want you to remake Hook as a musical as you intended. Yeah, I, I thought I read something. He said something about Hook recently that was just like totally validating to me. Like, yeah, that movie's not good. I wish I had another shot at that because uh, I didn't even know what I was going to do while we were doing it. And God, I hate Hook. Anyway, moving on to Music 1992, October 20th, 21st to the 27th. End of the Road by Boys. I bet it's still number one. It's going to be here for another month. So why even mention it? But some... uh, And then we get a break for a couple of weeks. And then we get something that's going to be there even longer. <laughs> Hint uh, what I said about soundtracks. Right. Don't know what you mean. Dun, yet. Dun, dun. Is it Free Willy? Dun, dun, dun. Uh, and new releases this week in, in album album wise include Play Me Backwards by Joan Baez. Uh, <laughs> if you play Joan Baez backwards, Satan like gives you a lentil soup recipe. Oh. <laughs> homebrew by nana cherry god finally the follow-up to buffalo stand it's about time by swv is that sisters with voices i believe it is yep sisters with voices and and last but certainly not leastly we have sade with love deluxe which is on rolling stone's best 500 album list oh i listened to a big chunk of this yeah i was a little new- dubious of like this is sade album better than other sade and like oh shit is this like this is some quality ass like it's Technically, it's jazz, but it's also R and B. Yeah, there's like sort of nothing like it. Uh, Nothing like Sade. It's very, Mm. and I I could never tell. It's like this, like Lady, I'm in love music, or Lady, I'm sad music, because there's a sadness to all of it. Especially this this song, which I can't tell if Sade is happy or not. Someone date Sade. We'll find out if someone was doing that when we get back from the short break. And when we do, we're gonna drive right into 2002. Did I say drive or dive? Stay tuned. There's nothing like you and I, baby. This is no ordinary love. No ordinary Coming in with Dirty by Christina Aguilera off of Stripped, which is out this week. Welcome to 2002, uh, October 21st to 27th. Other new releases include Spend the Night by the Donnas, uh, Simply Deep, the solo debut of Kelly Rowland, Shaman by uh, Santana, Order of the Leech by Napalm Death, One by One by Foo uh, Foo Fighters, Live from Camp X-Ray by Rocket from the Crypt, It Had to Be You, the Great American Songbook by Roderick Stewart, Uh, a... A Girl Can Mac by 3LW, Comfort and Sound by Feeder, Up in the Brackets by the Libertines, and of course Dilemma by Nelly featuring Kelly Rowland is still number one. I love how this lines up with Madonna's sex book, though, because this is like the <laughs> same thing for Christina Aguilera of people being like, yeah. the genie in the bottle girl is being all raunchy as she's like in chaps and there's mud wrestling in the video. And it was like, I feel like I'm getting chlamydia just by watching this. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, she's not fucking around anymore. She's not, she's not a cute little girl. It's like, no, this is what I do. She's trying to sell albums. And part of that involves getting people like me to watch her music videos because I might not otherwise listen to her music yeah Ah. this is a banger though alan's got a whole bunch of bangers on it yeah but still it's like oh oh hello that's right you're a grown-ass woman and you can do what you want okay well how about a little news to bring into the wonderful world of 2002 
October 21st through October 27th. The Moscow Theater Siege begins. Oh, fuck. Yeah. So 40 to 50 armed Chechens attacked it, held 850 people hostage. Mm. And it's like something out of an action movie. The way they decided to end the hostage situation by using a knockout gas that to this day, the Russian government has refused to release the formula for. The problem is life isn't an action movie. If -hmm. you just fall unconscious, you can easily choke on your tongue or you cannot administer the right amount of gas. I mean, anesthesiologists work really hard Mm -hmm. to put you under unconscious at the exact right dosage when you're just like let's make almost a thousand people unconscious as quickly as we can some of those people are just going to be like oh that's enough gas to kill me i'm dead i'm a baby Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. so yeah it went on went on for a couple days before they got to the gas part and they let out a couple hundred hostages but uh yeah the gas seems to be fentanyl based we think question mark i gotta try this no yeah no (laughs) Yeah, they just like, put it into the AC system. Uh, we'll knock everybody yeah. out. And so this had never been before done before, and it's never been done since. Wow. With good reason, because, yeah. what, 160 100 people? 160, yeah. 170 people died. Of the knockout gas? Yeah. yeah. Like, like I said, you, you've, if you just, if I give knockout gas at random amounts to a random selection of 900 people at various health levels. No, I, I get it. I get it. Some of them are going to die and some are just going to choke on their tongue. And that factoring in that, uh, you know, fifties murder mystery where someone dies hitting a, their head on the coffee table or some shit like that. Yeah. It's totally it. possible. People are going to, yeah, hit their heads on the way down. They're going to vomit and choke on it. They'll suffocate. Who, who the hell knows? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so, uh, and then, and then how did it work out for the Chechens? By the way, when when you do a big old terrorism, and the president is Putin at this point again, uh, yeah. the retribution was was swift and brutal. Yeah, and uh, Putin got a popularity boost. The Russians just, as a group, didn't care that 170 people of theirs had died in the hostage situation. They were just like, okay, that's that needed to be done, I guess. I I am impressed that you could get 40 people together to do anything. Well, <laughs> I mean, really, it's like. It's so hard to get people organized just to like, where do you want, what do you want for dinner? I don't know, what do you want for dinner? Uh, which what, which theater do you want to take hostage? I don't know, which uh, theater do you want to take hostage? Obviously the cinema. So, you know, every conspiracy theory is wrong. If it involves more than five people, it is physically impossible. And uh, that's, that's my conspiracy theory is that all conspiracy theories are conspiracy theories. So for the Moscow theater siege, the, one of the hardest pivots we've ever done in the news segment Let's talk about the top toys of <laughs> headed into the holiday season. Yes, that is happening. Rapunzel, Barbie, Disney, uh, Toddler Princesses, Bratz dolls are big. Dora the Explorer dolls are obviously big. Harry Potter, Basilisk set, Spider-Man stuff, Star Wars stuff. But I thought the funniest thing was the Leap Pad, which is something I was never a child to enjoy, but has kind of gone away. And I just wondered if there were members of our audience nostalgic enough 20 years ago to even know what those were. But... Yeah, they were kind of like toddler tablets before we had tablets. And even before we had tablets, there was a leapfrog, leap pad, leapfrog tablet. And they had separate cartridges at some point. It it, it doesn't even have a fan base 
that keeps that updates a wiki to tell you when all this stuff came out because the kids were kind of young and grew out of it before they were five. But yeah, if you had kids during this period or if you were a kid in this period, you knew what a leap pad was. I, I, I really don't. So any any insight anyone has would be appreciated. Comments, 302010, Laser Time Facebook community. Movies of 2002, October 21st to 27th. First up, we got Chi McBride, Wood Harris, and Mackay Pfeiffer and Paid in Full. Yeah, we got us a a drug dealer drama produced by Damon Dash, Jay-Z, Brett Ratner, AZ, and Steve Rifkin from Loud Records. Wow. What? Again, like, can I just see the movie of the making of? Yeah, just do a podcast and we'll probably make more money. Yeah, like, I... I would actually just like to hear a conversation with the producers. Like, and I want to hear them talk about something totally unrelated to rap. I would love that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> hey, everyone. Uh, let's send them all down and make them watch the red shoes. Yeah. Let, what, what do you think, think of this upcoming holiday ad in the leap pad? Yeah. So a uh, uh, kid is trying to keep his nose clean and uh, working at like a dry cleaner ends up getting involved in the drug situation in his neighborhood. It's like vaguely based on real stuff that happened which we, we have some of those a uh, couple of those this, this week and um it's good didn't get around to it i i'm sorry i again i feel like i know the soundtrack better because uh, yeah. it's like all all these rockefeller guys and so the soundtrack was huge in 2002 it's got like a 53 percent on rotten tomatoes so it's like eh. well good because i don't want to i don't care what you think about that i'm here for the next show and the next movie in town the true okay. piece of shit Man, Mano uh, Charlemagne right. on a current. I'm going to stretch because <laughs> I have a lot, a lot to say. Charles Aznavour, <laughs> uh, Agnes Varda, Park Jong Hoon, Simon. Okay, can I just stop right Karen, there? Why, yeah. Agnes Varda, Charles Aznavour, and Anna Karina. If you are into 60s French film, yeah. you just shat yourself. <laughs> They're just here for funsies. Whatever. Okay. And then Continue. please enjoy cleaning up your own shit while walking sad out of a theater in yeah. just 90 minutes. Uh, Christine Boison, Sakina Jaffrey, lots of lots of people here, Diana. Uh, Stephen Delane, <laughs> Lisa here we go with the big Gay ones. Hamilton, Ted Levine, Tim Robbins, Thandy, Thandween, what she, she said she wanted to go by something else and I forgot what it was. Oh yeah, Thandiwe. Thandiwe Newton and Mr. Marky Wahlberg in The Truth About Charlie. From the Academy Award-winning director of The Silence of the Lambs. This is your husband. The murder. Joshua. Husband. I'm so sorry. The money. Charlie stole six million dollars from some very lethal people. The mystery. What's going on here? Director Jonathan Demme invites you to a world where the fun (gasps) is uncovering the truth. The truth about Charlie. I've got it. The truth about Charlie, Diana, that's not the original title of the original film. It's not. Originally, it is called Charade from 1963, directed oh. by Stanley Donen, starring Cary Grant and Audrey Hepburn. From <laughs> Cary Grant to Mocky Mock. And Walter Matthau and James Coburn and George Kennedy. Dude, <laughs> the original is such a good movie it is like a fantastic date movie it's a good entry point into classic cinema because it's just fun but also like thrilling all all the way through it's you know it's a mystery it's a thriller it's a romantic comedy charade from 1963 fucking rules i tried to give this movie a chance because jonathan demi is one of my favorite directors who has an incredible track record and i think this might be his worst film 
Ooh. Yeah. Well, I mean, his like his track record is insane. We get swing shift. Stop making sense. Something wild. Married to the mob. Philadelphia. Beloved. Okay. Rachel a, a, a getting married. Decent remake of a uh, uh, Manchurian Candidate. R.I.P. Angela Lansbury. Yeah. yeah. Decent remake of Manchurian Candidate. I come the fuck on. So few directors could do something like Silence of the Lambs and something as wacky as Married to the Mob and do them back to back. And it's so disappointing because. I've tried to watch it wiping my memory of the original, which is basically impossible for me because uh, the original is so much fun. But it's about uh, a woman in France and her husband turns up dead. And then all these like creepy dudes show up and are like, give us the money. And she's like, what? It's like, yeah, no, it turns out he was a criminal and he stole a bunch of our shit and we want it. And we're going to menace you until we get it. That's about it. And, uh, yeah, meanwhile, there's a guy who he might be a government agent or he might be one of the criminals who's helping her out and she doesn't know who to trust and yada, yada, yada. Paris looks beautiful. Yada, yada, yada. Why did you bother? Why? Why? It has none of the, the charm or fun or even tension of the original. And I don't get it. It's the original writer, Peter Stone, changed his screenwriting credit to Cary Grant's character character's name because he didn't want he was so against the remake and even Mark Wahlberg considers this his worst film oh wow that dude makes mostly bad films by the way he's made so (laughs) many I'm just a soldier guy yes but I've got to bear down and kill a bunch of dudes he's made so many forgettable ass action movies look I'm just a co-op look I'm just a soldier and he hates this one oh my I mean like there, there is something, I don't want to say, emboldening when a movie remake fails on this level that no one remembers it ever happened. Like, mm. that, that, I don't think this movie gets brought up in any modern-day conversation or essay about charade. Well, what a silly title change as well. You don't think. Too foreign-sounded. The truth about Charlie. That could be called I... any movie. Meh. I don't get it. No, I've, I'm not even getting the classic corner this week. <laughs> Just say, dude, go watch Charade. Like I said, good date movie. Come on. Really fun. Got Walter Matthau in it. Yeah. Um, This is an interesting experience I had a year ago with someone I was seeing. She wanted to watch one of her favorite movies, horror movies ever. And we watched it. And about two thirds of the way in, she's like, I don't think this is my favorite one. <laughs> movie anymore <laughs> i know the movie has its fans it has a really cool kill sequence <laughs> emily browning alex dimitriades uh carl urban ron eldard isaiah washington desmond harrington juliana margulies and gabriel byrne in go 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 ship what's that going out here all by its lonesome in the middle of the ocean it's a car ship a salvage crew is about to discover a world beyond our own <laughs> This is real. We have to get out of here now. We're all trapped here. Ghost ship. Ghost ship. It's so there are ghosts. (laughs) I watched this with zero nostalgia, and it is not a good horror film. Mm. It's a failure of a horror film. Uh, Looking into it a little bit, this was intended to be more cerebral. The cast signed on to a script that wasn't actually produced. Originally, this was intended to be The Shining on a boat. And I can (laughs) see glimpses of that in this film, but they biff it. They make it 
uh, remember that great scene in The Shining when one of the ghosts went up to Jack Nicholson's character and said, okay, uh, this is the way the rules work at our hotel, and let me just explain my backstory and my motivation to you. Remember that scene in The Shining? No. No, because it would have ruined the film. But in this film, get that scene word for word where the big bad is revealed to be in league with the devil and he's just trying to kill you after you've sinned because you got to sin because only then can he take you down um yeah but i do very much like the wire decapitation scene of a broad group of people there's there's talent in this film Mm -hmm. it's just not in service of a good script it could be this needs this is my pitch as always remake bad movies this has a great plot you could absolutely turn it in a rusted abandoned ship is a inherently spooky place to be it feels creepy and get the mood right makes a bunch of fucked Uh, up noises you don't really have to explain for jump scares exactly yeah it could be great but this film fails it it does not deliver the scares. Yeah. Well, and it, it, I have to say, in that TV spot, it's like at the bottom, it's like from the producers of The Matrix, and I'm just like, no offense to Joel Silver, but like they would say the Wachowskis <laughs> <laughs> if they were involved. Robert Zemeckis somehow produced this, but really? yeah, yeah, I was not I was not in theater seeing it this week because there was only one movie in the world for me and it holds up tremendously Uh, it's very hard to get an ad to tell the people what it is because every ad is so visual all you will hear is giggling and crashes (laughs) Uh, and we should kind of give it away actually (laughs) aaron mcgee preston lacy jason wee manacuna dave england Ryan Dunn, Steve-O, Chris Pontius, Van Margera, and Johnny Knoxville. It is number one at the box office. It is Jackass the Movie. <laughs> oh, the golf cart sequence. Almost killed Knoxville. Into the uh, fuck skateboarding. Steve-O pole vaulting. Bank robbery sequence. The failed ending. This movie yep. is fantastic, and I'm glad it exists. <laughs> <Did he> so, <laughs> I am so not familiar with the yeah. Jackass verse. Watching this, I was blown away. I like completely <laughs> understand the appeal of Jackass after watching this film. Watching a man do lines of wasabi like they're oh, coke. Yep. oh my gosh oh, that, that that's is... the highlight for me. Honestly, that one's which uh, I believe Stevo said he between he... the toes. Steve-O did because he was uh, had a massive coke habit. And as JR might be able to attest, let's see, he's done everything. You can't get coke in Japan. <laughs> it's going to be fucking impossible, <laughs> nor do you want to smuggle it in because you might go to jail like forever. Forever. For, forever. So he was like, off of cocaine, I'm going to snort some of this wasabi at Johnny Knoxville's birthday party. Uh, yeah, I, 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 man, what background do we need to give here? One, Jackass wasn't, canceled it was mtv's highest rated show as much as johnny knoxville kind of quit mtv was pushing back because our culture was giving jackass a lot of pushback it was very it, we had just gone through like our cartoons too violent what about the three stooges and then here's this infinitely repeatable stuff growing up is in skate culture in a small town hedge jumping we were all doing this shit and now people could become movie stars over it i get it they they come up with the idea i think it was sort of the idea for the mystery science movie we can make one of these every couple years and make the same amount of money. And 
I didn't so much watch this one as I rewatched the fourth and 4.5 because I've seen it so many times. Paramount's now a small studio and this is carrying their year, this franchise. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I did not realize how short-lived Jackass the TV show was. It's it's pretty short-lived. And I remember at the time just being like, feeling like, you know, how far are we from just, just showing executions? Like, this is so stupid. I can't. I, I don't understand. And it's it's weird that it's in my it's in my forties that I have come to like Jackass. <laughs> well, because I mean this this in particular, because this is the most ragtag, like it's for me it's hard to watch the original Jackass series because they're much longer bits that are much more lo-fi and really recreatable. Let's push around my friend in a wheelbarrow. And this is like the last bit of that. Things you could kind of do on your own i mean kind of sorta i feel like they yeah. up it up such a huge due to their larger budget totally. i mean the opening of this film is them in a shopping cart getting rocks blown out of a cannon that, at them that is which... the shopping cart from lily tomlin's the incredible shrinking woman that they found oh, no on the lot of a uh, paramount <laughs> they just decided to do that i love so that that's wow. why they had a giant shopping cart yes <laughs> Yes, because in the new movie, they're like all over the Paramount lot and making jokes. They're like wrapping a fat guy in uncooked fish to see if they can get him to sweat so hard it makes sushi. And oh, and, oh. and they're like in the background. I think Chinatown was filmed behind me. <laughs> <laughs> this this film just proves to me that boys and young men will risk their lives because they are bored. That's it. That's the only yes. thing you need to get young men to risk their lives for being bored mm-hmm. and any tribe that didn't produce such men got conquered by tribes who did so that's why we have boys willing to do crazy stuff like oh my gosh the scene where they tie meat to them and then they go across an alligator pit yeah. and have the alligator jump up to eat them and he falls in the alligator pit at one point yes <laughs> yeah I, I i i'm not familiar has anyone in jackass died or been Crippled, one uh, person has died injured from oh no they, there's been plenty of permanent injuries N- necks being broken i think johnny knoxville had a uh catheter fit a piece of catheter for a couple of years it, it, it has and if you've read some of the people who aren't in the movie it really took its toll a lot of people developed drug addictions to deal with the pain it, it's it's so weird because nobody nobody would green light anything like this again just on the basis of lawsuits on a major network. Yeah. However, Jackass seems to, it just got renewed again to be a show again for Paramount oh, Plus. I'm pretty sure almost the entire crew after the last movie is just, Knoxville's like, I'm retired. Uh, he got hit by that bull and had to go to cognitive therapy because oh. he was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was when, when it was just like, uh, yeah, that, that was right. Jackass forever with the, you can't roller skate in a Buffalo herd. That's two. Oh, that was in two. No, he he tried to do a oh, a magic it. trick also. in the in forever to make milk disappear from his hat, and that it's in the it's in the tra- it's a cover of the box on the DVD. Yeah. He gets flipped like just not yeah, flipped hard, flipped yeah. really really hard. Yeah. So See, Chris, that, that was the thing. That just it cracked me up. It's like, did they just hear this novelty song and decide we should go try that? I mean, he's wearing <laughs> roller skates. Yes. In a pen, pen full of bulls, and they're ignoring no, it's, him, it's, so he's doing little dances. It's why I love him just. Him up. It's why I love Johnny Knoxville. And if you watch 
Diana, if you watch the documentary The Great Buster about Buster Keaton, he's prominently featured in that because of how big a fan he is. And he's a big fan of cartoons. Like, wh- where did you have this idea to stand in front of the bull like this? He's like, that's from a Tom and Jerry cartoon where Tom put on a blindfold, lit a cigarette. Knoxville doesn't smoke. <laughs> he was recreating <laughs> a cartoon. How is this not supposed to appeal to me? Yeah, uh, I, I think yeah. this part of just, I, I don't know if it's because it it, it stopped it drops somewhat out of the zeitgeist or because maybe because I'm not in my twenties. So I'm not surrounded by 20 year old guys who think this, this You're is welcome. the funniest thing that's ever happened. And always with like the toilet humor stuff, like people crapping themselves or sticking cigarettes up their butts or whatever. It's like, that's always the part that just makes you go. Yeah, I don't care. You, you it, never wondered what would happen. It's the ridiculous well, stunt type stuff. yeah it kind of goes back to that buster keaton-ness of like look i'm gonna get really really hurt doing this but it's gonna be funny it's gonna be funny and that's all i care about it's it's the mindset diana so remember the scene in this film where they're playing with the muscle stimulator yes Mm -hmm. yep me and my fraternity brothers did that it was like two years before this movie came out we didn't go to the taint or whatever they refer to it the goose but the gooch. We didn't go to the gooch, but we absolutely <laughs> took a muscle stimulator and was like, let's see how much we can take. Crank. Mm-hmm. And I, I've been hit just... with a taser several times on purpose, never anywhere but on purpose. And pepper spray once, not on purpose. Thank you, shoplifting at Walmart. But then a couple more times. I mean, just this weekend, I, I really was like way more hammered than normal this weekend because a lot of fun things were happening with my friends and I don't, I wasn't <laughs> yeah, driving. Just... Because we spent so much time talking about alcohol abuse last week. Well, I wasn't I wasn't driving, so like I didn't have to factor that in at uh, all. Like, uh, and my buddy's like, "Let's have a margarita in the afternoon." I never drink during the day, and then we went to a barcade, and then it was I went over to a friend's house, and he has this cat, and like this cat is guaranteed to hit you and get really <laughs> mad at you, and so for an hour. I just tried to make friends with this cat and let it mutilate me. My hand is so much to the delight of my friends. It's I still have some of this in me. And definitely back then we did as well because we didn't, there was nothing else to do. And especially when you, when cameras became cheap enough that one of you could have one and film. And again, like Jackass comes from skate culture. It comes from uh filming skateboarding and the things you do in between usually making the skate video and then i credit bam marger and cky most of his skate video is sketches and stunts not skating an overwhelming majority and that just fed into jackass because yeah yeah it it, it 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 it's half of what made up jackass and this is everyone's alive everyone is <laughs> everyone is drinking and you can see like miller high life is clearly sponsoring the set and there's a <laughs> Most of these people are in recovery or rehab as we speak. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, in your 20s, where, where yeah. they were then, they were indestructible. That's the mindset. I mean, 20-year-olds do not think an injury at 20, how that will feel in their 40s or 50s. That mm-hmm. It's like, I will get hurt, and I'll be fine in a week, and then that'll be the end of it. But, no. I mean, you can heal up, and then, you know, 10 years later, it's like, huh. Mm-hmm. Injury is starting mm-hmm. to hurt again. That's weird. Yeah. And then that's the rest of your life. Yeah, yeah it was kind of interesting. I just looked and saw like because I know Spike Jones produced this, and and I don't know if he's filmed any of it. He did. I mean, he's credited as a writer as well. He is. Yeah. And seeing like, okay, well, how old was he? And realizing, oh, his his brother Sam Spiegel did the music. Yep. Was, his brother was twenty two. Yeah, he was. Uh, he and was uh, like, oh yeah, make, make some movie. Spike grew up with a director Jeff Tremaine, and the stories. Jeff Tremaine tells about Spike Jones. He he seems like 
in the film world circle, like when he's at the Academy Awards, he seems like, you know, soft-spoken little nerd, but he's a fucking maniac, dude. That guy is crazy. Yeah, yeah he's a maniac, and I'm kind of surprised. Well, actually, in some ways, I'm not surprised that he's a maniac because he comes from a lot of money. He comes from the Spiegel fortune. Wow. Okay, that um, makes it. I heard Jeff Tremaine tell a story about Spike Jones yeah. Again, little wiener. They were in a rented van, and he put it on cruise control at 80 miles an hour and then flipped the seat back and rolled into the back seat to wait for someone on the highway to try and get in the front seat and steer the van again like that that's like one of the scariest stories i've ever fucking heard <laughs> and i love that he's still like working with these guys i mean being john malkovich was 1999 so he's like the yeah. hottest shit in in, in indie world yeah, if, uh this one's married if, to sophia coppola did you see did you see like, jackass Let's go watch the guy staple his, his nuts to his leg did you see jackass yeah, forever why do yeah. the men in this film hate their own genitalia so much? It's not mm. I mean, that they hate them. It's that they're, one, this is too deep a discussion for this show. They're fun to manipulate. And other than like getting like swatted in the balls, they're malleable and all, like almost indestructible. <laughs> it's... That's true. Hitting a guy in the balls will always be funny because no matter yeah. how hard you hit, you will always get a giant reaction. Yeah. And I think- you to... get... If you get cunt punted, it's going to hurt. No, but you're probably not going to throw up. Not saying like ha do do not go whipping your <laughs> cock out in front of women, blah blah blah. But like, Please don't. This is funny because it's in a contained environment. No one's being grossed out except by consent because you're there to watch it. And uh, it is funny to see that shit happen to a dick. And I, <laughs> I think they said that during the pandemic, they they relied way too much on dick stuff because they couldn't do any man on the street stuff. Yeah. Have too big. Was a crowd. it? It was. I want to say, was it on Viva La Bam? I've only seen the clip of, I'm pretty sure it's Bam Margera getting branded with like a cock and balls that's on two. his butt. That's in two? Mm -hmm. All right. That's that's truly yeah. unbelievably painful nonsense. That's completely insane. But this, but Brandy's, again, like, it's, oh it's weird rewatching this movie, which I did before forever. It is, it's obviously there's no narrative, but it's like watching a really fun party tape with people you feel like you know, kind of reliving the stupid stuff you might have done at that age in that era. Big shout out to Ron. That last stunt with the car, putting a car up his ass and getting an x-ray and asking a doctor, what is that? What is so wonderfully ballsy, and I'm not even sure how they got it past the MPAA. I believe uh, they said they could not in any way show him putting it in or pulling it out because it would have been instant NC-17. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I feel uh, like, I can't imagine, I mean, it would be fun to watch this as a, with a crowd, mm -hmm. but I also feel like these are perfect for streaming or dvd now because i know the dvds come with a fuck ton of extras that's, too that's... i really want to dig into it but on top mm. of that it's like if there's any a segment you don't like you just skip or, 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 or you wait unlike the two show minutes. you wait two wait minutes two it's minutes. there's nothing lasts longer than two minutes other than like the the last yeah. stun it's like all right you made a, a snow cone out of the yellow snow oh god <laughs> I'm gonna skip oh, that, that let's was... skip about a minute and a half let's see how i cannot well deal that yeah, that yeah. that was the worst most things where i can imagine what it smells like <laughs> where I'm like, no, no, I'm gonna skip. Uh, so one, one, can Adam, you imagine what those hotel rooms smell like. Oh, oh boy, yeah. Oh boy, I have to put wasabi up my nose to make a sense <laughs> about it. So, so this film one does promise a return in the summer of 2063. I, oh. I, I don't see how that won't happen. But the 
a lot of the people in this movie cannot be there. Like the newer movie, Chris Pontius, like he is just there, like showing his dick. He drinks some pig cum. He's not getting hurt. He's not, he he can't do any of these stunts anymore. But I, I I wanted to say one, uh, patreon.com slash laser time. Adam from Paducan. We're both huge jackass fans. We talk about seeing opening night. It was like the first big movie we made it a point to go to post pandemic. Once we're all vaccinated, it's one of the best theatrical experiences. That's just, so hard to recreate there are not that many laughs possible mm-hmm. in most films like that <laughs> gut busting belly laughs i've heard people the, the funny thing you see is like looking at reviews of this kind of like what we talked about with frozen assets you're getting a lot of hoity-toity film critics that are like what is this society is doomed <laughs> 2022 the critics are like this is just what i needed this is just <laughs> what i needed to see oh blast from the past or like what a relief. What a soothing bomb this is on 2021. Oh, I'm so glad they put him into that giant catapult that's also a porta potty. <laughs> <laughs> ah, at last humanity is united in brotherhood. And uh, and what I what I do want to say just as a, a true advisory, all these are streaming on Paramount Plus including the 0.5 version. Jackass <laughs> 1, the one we're talking about does not have a 0.5, but what it does have is perhaps the greatest Jackass DVD ever, which you can still buy in the Jackass collection for like 20 bucks. It includes anything, everything but the new movie, even the uh, as much as the old show as they can show. But wow. the Jackass 1 DVD has a shitload of, like a whole movie of deleted scenes. That's why for Jackass 2, 3, 4, they made .5 versions that are these great behind-the-scene features with stunts that didn't make the movie. And so I encourage anyone out there who gives a fuck, if you haven't seen the Jackass 1 DVD, there's a making of that has a shitload of stuff you've never seen. There's deleted scenes with a shitload of stuff you've never seen. uh, And there's a lot of fun extra sequences just in general, the most of any DVD. And uh, even the new Jackass Forever has like 40 minutes of deleted scenes that aren't in 4.5. You see glimpses of them in the trailer, or sorry, the uh, credits, which to me, the other night I just loaded up, I want to see the Jackass three tra- uh, credit sequence because it's they're like 10 minutes just a streamline of all the stuff from the, sh- the shows the movies <laughs> it's great but I, I, dude this movie cost five million dollars it was one of my favorite things in the behind the scenes <laughs> bam margera is in a u-haul that preston lacy is driving they're all on roller skates in the back of a u-haul and bam margera is like we can't do this right now because uh we're in a paramount movie but we can't figure out how to get a car and lights to work at the same time <laughs> say paramount movie like five million dollars makes i think 90 million of all abroad and i had i worked at a chinese restaurant for a long time and my chinese bosses were kind of like just give us some movies man we just want to see some movies we don't have you know uh we have we have the satellite but china's asleep right now anything and like this kind of translates no matter what language you speak it's not unlike cartoons or the three stooges you get what's funny about it that's a good point. It's basic. You could watch this with the sound off, yeah. which I occasionally yeah. have to do because they do get kind of just some of them are just kind of annoying. But if you just watch it as the weird world's weirdest silent film, <laughs> except for Rip Taylor, I'm so happy this introduced the children to Rip Taylor. And I'm so sad he's gone that he I wasn't know. around for, for Jackass. Forever. Jackass 4 Strong. is the only one he's not in. I was introduced Strong. to him in uh, DuckTales Treasure, Treasure of the Lost Land. We need more professional weirdos like that. Exactly. But I can't recommend Jackass enough. It's all on Paramount Plus, but I encourage you to get the DVD, especially the box set, because you'll get a bunch of stuff you can't see anywhere else other than like knowing where to go on Daily Motion. TV of 2022, October 21st to 
seventh in the World Series, the uh, Angels of Anaheim beat the San Francisco Giants. Great. Uh, they'll return. Yeah, well, next week we get to talk about 2012 bitches, so suck it. Have fun with it. And also this week, lastly for television, for my money, one of the most easily revisitable episodes of the show Firefly that there ever <sighs> could be. Do not watch it as the pilot. No. Because no. you will not have earned what you are going to see, but you will see, like, everyone's introduction. It, it begins with Captain Mal Reynolds alone. He's shot, stabbed, alone on the, the ship Serenity. None of the crew is there, and you slowly see what happens, why the crew is not there, but you also see why every member of the crew got there beyond what they showed in the pilot that took, you know, place over the course of a couple hours. This shows everyone's, like, deep backstory in, like, 40 minutes. It's yeah. kind of masterful. It's kind of like a flashback clip show. Yes. For shows that don't exist. There you go. Yeah, that works. Mm. Written by Tim uh, Meaner. I love for it. Me, for my money, this is my all-time favorite episode of True. Firefly. You get to see these crew members that you've all grown to love. You get to see them interact with each other in great ways. I would say if you make a list of the top 10 science fiction episodes of all time, this should go on the list. It's it's weird. I just still have mm. to say, like, you cannot watch this first. Do not watch no. this first. I'm not no. saying that. I'm just saying it's I know, I know, so but well it, done in the genre of sci-fi. Like we said, Jane is such a, a complicated, weird character. Like, why is he there? And there's, like, the scene, like, okay. Like, that <laughs> That was very easily explained. <laughs> why Why would you hire this guy as your crew? I'm like, bribery. All right. Um, <laughs> that, I guess that makes sense. I, I think masterfully done and... I, I said previously, I know Josh Whedon has some uh, toxicity, toxicity you should account for, but I love the button in this episode that calls everyone back to the ship when it looks like everything's going to be saved. Alan Tudyk's Tudyk saved it when they were called back to to make Serenity to get the cast back together because everybody fucking enjoyed their time on Firefly mm -hmm. so much. I can't say enough good things about Fireflies out of gas. It's really good. Really, really good. 100%. Yep. Speaking of really good, we have an absolutely insane amount of games to talk about this week. Not not an amount, but like quality-wise. Yeah. Quality. Mario Party 4, the first GameCube Mario Party. It's, uh, it's fine. It's moving up to close to HD. You know, we're not quite there with the GameCube, but it's sure a lot better than the 64. Yep. Looks good. It's a fun Mario Party. And I don't know if we bored Diane enough with this. Also out mm -hmm. this week, EA's Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers for PS2, Xbox, and GameCube. Okay. All right. Movie so this... version or based on books? There you go. Movie version. So ah, this finally. is the one <laughs> that is based on the movies. This is probably my favorite Lord of the Rings game of all time. Whoa. It is such... But you're, you're not a bajillionaire in this one. That's true. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. I did 100% I did it, which is very rare. I almost never do that. And I did that with another game on this week's list so i don't know what it was about this week's in game but i just sunk into them so much this is a brutal game and i don't mean that it's hard i mean that you brutally whack people and the sound design is so good that it makes you feel like gimsley's axe is really going ka-chunk into an orc again to, to refresh diana and maybe the audience lord of the rings in terms of games as films came out of nowhere and there wasn't a game ready yet and it became instantly like, oh, this is going to be huge. So EA gets on board with the Two Towers. This contains like the story of Fellowship 
yeah in it it's about 30 percent fellowship 70 percent two towers but it's all like just the best of it's just like going from action beat to action beat you're fighting way more enemies than you ever did in the movie because of course it's a video game but there's a great leveling up system that just feels really natural where you keep wanting your characters to get stronger and the stronger you get the harder things you have to face but it feels effortlessly flowing from one fight to the next. I loved it. it. I, I played it again for the show this weekend. If another game hadn't sucked up all my time this week, I would have absolutely played more of this. Yeah, uh, if you haven't played it, it might be one of the best games ever made out of a movie that was released in time with the movie. I love the Warriors mm-hmm. game, but that was like <laughs> decades late. <laughs> yeah, I love this game. The graphics don't hold up. In my memory... I was playing the movie, but obviously what I'm really doing is playing PS2 polygons, and those are a bit rough. So this is one of those games that, yeah, just slap an HD remake on it and you're good to go. Yeah. Is it, as, as a movie tie-in game, does it have any of the cast? Or Full no? cast. It has new lines of dialogue by the cast. Ooh, cool. Like mm-hmm. All of them. Yeah, Ian McClellan, you know, the whole shebang. Nice. Yeah, they, yeah. Sean Bean there to go, Ugh! <laughs> we, we talked about it recently on Video Game Apocalypse, but there's a famous Ian McKellen clip where he's talking like he got paid more to do this than Lord of the Rings, <laughs> and, and 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 he hated it and would never do it again. Yeah, he he did not consider this the highlight of his acting career. Yeah, but I I think it's great, and if you can, it, thankfully, like yeah, it's not rare because it's sold so many copies and there's a greatest hits ps2 copy out there probably with your name on it speaking of late movie tie-ins reign of fire is is Uh, out on ps2 xbox we get so much feedback from people of me and like i always wondered what that movie was and then i watched it because you guys recommended it and holy shit that movie's hilarious (laughs) how's the video game is it too serious i wouldn't know i I didn't play it uh Uh, but it's third person shoot 'em up play over scorched landscapes i think it probably delivers what you wanted but i haven't heard anything like amazing about it yeah uh contra sharded soldier is out this week on ps2 did you just say sharded i did i mean (laughs) people listen to video game i can't not say it that's what we all called it and my friends and i were playing this game all the time it is like the truest contra that has ever been on a current gen console. I was going to say, this feels like such an amazing leap because I have a lot of nostalgia for the NES Contra era mm-hmm. and zero nostalgia for anything after that. And this feels like, you know, it's very a good. heavy metal album, full on balls to the walls, Contra game. Let's run to the ride and blow shit up. And it still looks good. The graphics hold up because they don't go third person, which was smart. Yeah, it, it plays just like a Contra should, I think. For late sequels, I like 4, but 4 is nostalgic, using sprites from the 80s and the 2000s. This looks like a a modern game at the time, but is so true to Contra. It's great. Can't recommend it enough. Hope it gets re-released somewhere. Also, as a massive Tony Hawk's Pro Skater fan, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 4 is out this week. And this might be like... The beginning of the end of the flawless Tony Hawk era. See, I'd never played a Tony Hawk game before. I loved SSX. I could never get into Tony Hawk. I tried to give this a shot and couldn't get into it. It was like, well, this isn't intuitive in five minutes of gameplay. I'm out. I don't have time for this. Um, yeah, just but like in terms of like uh, the career mode, the la- the latter games will veer off into fucking mindless, silly story and cutscenes and like who gives a shit. Why would you give a Tony Hawk game a story? Like in this one, you have to hmm. collect the things because of the great big storm. 
Like, yeah, who uh, needed that? Not even collect the things. Just, like, do the thing. Score, do, do this move over this. Score this much. Find this hidden tape. There's all the, it's just, you can just keep playing it over and over again. And uh, store, why? Because they have to, at this point, they were selling them once a year. And there had to be a bigger and better reason to buy it because they were reviewing worse and worse as it went. But not not four. Four, I I remember very fondly. Um, looks like it's getting like tons of nines and um, and high eights according to reviewers back then. But I love Tony Hawk Four. It's like when uh they wanted to return to form, they made Tony Hawk Five five years ago because that's the last time people weren't embarrassed by this. <laughs> and then, and then speaking of like really one of my favorite games and one of my favorite series. The previous game in the series, the third game, I don't know how we'll qualify this one, had some celebrities in them. Michael Madsen comes to mind. Nothing compared to this. Yeah, this is like Jenna Jameson, <laughs> Jenna Jameson, Lee Majors, Gary Busey, Danny Trejo, yeah. Luis Guzman, Burt Reynolds, Dennis Hopper, and it starred, instead of a silent protagonist, as the previous games had, Ray fucking Leota. Damn. The voice yeah. of the gangster genre in films is now the voice of the gangster genre in games. Amazing. I, I love Vice City so much because uh, I think I love many open world crime games, as does Mr. Diana Goodman, Michael Perez. But this is the only one to like put, put that like unique stank on it. It wasn't the 80s, but let's pretend that it is. Um, this isn't <laughs> Miami, but let's pretend that it is. And uh, just all they, they just needed to have a blank card. This is, you ever wanted to be Scarface without yeah. being in danger at all? 100%. Vice City. Coming yeah. This would inspire over. the Scarface people to make a Scarface open world GTA game. I, I believe this is yeah. what inspired them. Yeah, you can be Scarface while eating pizza rolls <laughs> at home where no one is going to hurt you. So this was a huge jump from three. There's yeah. 8,000 lines of dialogue, Whoa. 100 unique characters which for 2002 was amazing they doubled the number of polygons everything was better from better buildings to giving you a motorcycle and boats which you couldn't do before mm -hmm. and still can't swim i, I trashed <laughs> so so many little vespas <laughs> i would get on those and then i get them stuck in in someone's pool i get I, them stuck in a fountain i believe they're called fagios <laughs> yeah because grand theft autos are like the only games that i can play except i don't play them i just run around that's sort of the point and that's fun yeah. that's part of the fun not one single mission ever no all right that that works <laughs> yeah that's but what i do i do that for we, a little while always we cannot talk about this game without mentioning the soundtrack how many soundtrack albums mm -hmm. there are for grand theft auto vice city yes because i bought them all i bought <laughs> the giant ass vice city soundtrack collection back before i had an mp3 player and holy crud do they are they bangers i mean there's seven, not a, seven discs yeah and that's, that's and the, yeah they were, You're right. they're all great it wasn't that there wasn't licensed music in gta 3 it was just you know kind of inside electronic music and the the whole scarface soundtrack and that was it and this and i just remember this one led with that commercial I still love it because uh, someone I'm talking to went to Disney World this week, rode Cosmic Rewind, and like, I know you get one of six songs. What song did you get? And she's like, ah, I don't know what it was. And I'm like, I'm going to sing it to you. And it was, <laughs> uh, it was I Ran by Flock of Seagulls. 
And Fuck yeah. it's such a cool vibe to not only that commercial, but driving around like this. One of my favorite stupid memories is the Game Awards that year. This blew everybody's mind. I remember when GTA 3 came out, I'd played the first two on the PC, and I'm trying to tell my friends who have PlayStations, this is a cool series. And like, meh, who cares? NBA Street, that's what I'm going to get this, mm-hmm. this season. This time, GTA is a bona fide cross-platform success. Huge. In the Game Awards, it's one, it was like a best voice acting performance, Ray Liotta, and he appears on a screen. He's like, thanks, guys. And like, you're in LA, and so is this. <laughs> like, that, that can't... Coming down there to talk to a yeah. bunch of nerds. And then they have a live performance. <laughs> dinner. They have a live performance of Iran in 2002 oh, wow. with the real flock of seagulls who all look old as piss and don't look anything like people who should be playing on a live stage in a Spike TV Game Awards thing. And it's that's how beautiful this theme song was. Love the music from this game. Damn. Yeah. I... I... I have recollections, so many recollections of this because, you know, I'm living with someone who works in games at the time. It's kind Mm -hmm. of hard to avoid. And I don't see him for months at a time. And this is why. (laughs) It was great. I got a lot of, you know, stuff done. But (laughs) um, (laughs) looking through like reviews, every single review I see includes the phrase raises the bar. Yep. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, that's fair. And it's a bummer. You don't see this much in movies where something is just like, it takes a while for everyone to like really feel the impact of a movie on yeah. filmmaking. Yeah. And this one, it seems like it was right away. Like everyone's like, that's the fucking benchmark. I remember d- describing yeah. what GTA three was, uh, we're being told it was going to be, it was a 3d version of what I already played in 2d. And like that alone is like, everyone needs to be paying attention to this. And my friends would say, that's impossible. You can't <laughs> do that. And that's why games have a different fandom than movies. You don't, see a trailer and like that fantastic beast is impossible (laughs) there's no way to do that you know exactly how they did that um there's no mystery here but like rockstar's done it several times like how do you make this bigger and better holy shit this feels impossible and my city did this was such a blow away for me in 2002 Mm -hmm. uh so i didn't play it actually in 2002 i played in 2003 when i just got back from japan all my college friends had moved away it was just me and my American PlayStation 2 that I had and like unlimited free time. And I played this game so much that after a while, when I started driving, I was like, I could probably just squeeze in between those light posts, right? You know, just make my car in between the sidewalk and that light post because, oh my gosh, are the light posts in this game made out of paper mache? I mean, you like (laughs) Nick one. And it just topples down. I mean, you can drag it for a couple of miles in some circumstances, <laughs> not lose a bit of speed. I got sucked into this game. I 100% completed it. My Tommy got the T-shirt that said, I beat Vice City, and all I got was this lousy T-shirt. Because that's your reward for 100%ing this game. Your character gets a T-shirt. <laughs> and here, here, is, here is my final anecdote for Vice City. And this is dumb, mm. technically not for Vice City. This is the last game I remember, literally 20 years ago from when we're recording this, I was unable to get the game. Like it was just, I walked mm. in day one to get GTA 3. I got it in a buy two, get one free sale at Toys R Us. What they didn't know would be one of the best selling games on the PlayStation. Buy two, get one free, whatever. Holidays are coming. Had to go to multiple stores, still didn't get it. And I was taught the lesson of pre-order the game you know you're getting day one. And I have literally never encountered that problem in my life ever again i have never ever ever encountered a game a game that sold out consoles yes a game never 
I've never encountered that since Vice City. But uh, Vice City made me do the pre-order thing for a little bit because of how I, it took me like a day or two and, and like calling in favors to get a copy mm -hmm. of. It was that popular. One of the things I admire about this is it's not just a member berries about the 1980s. Yeah. It's mm -hmm. a pastiche. Yep. It is like seeping you in the 80s vibe and having you play all these characters you wanted to play because you're a horrible person and you shouldn't want to be Scarface, but for a moment in every man's life, you do want to be Scarface. It just happens. But it gives you that opportunity. You know, I don't want to be Scarface, but the way the game shows you progress and just the mm -hmm. small aspect of like, now you can buy property and property can generate revenue. Mm -hmm. Money was sort of useless in a GTA game until yeah. they added that aspect. Oh, I, I was like so excited to buy the strip club. I was just like, yeah. all right, I'm going to buy these polygonal clubs full of polygonal strippers. All right. Yeah, that's, that's, and that's, that's, that's all new to this game, I think, even, the, even down to the stripper. Yeah. I mean, obviously, San Andreas raised the bar even higher. GTA 4, even higher. And well, see, I, I would say, see, I like the GTA series in the PS2 era the best. Vice City. And San Andreas are my jam. I love that. When they went a little more serious in 4 and 5, I could never get into those games the way I got into Vice or San Andreas. I would have been thrilled if they would have came out with a GTA set in the 70s or 60s or even oh, 50s. They, they did. No one, no one played the 60s one. Oh, 60s London know. one. Yeah. But that's not a real oh, GTA game. That's wait, just a little yeah, 2D one. Yes. Yeah. Oh, the 2D one. Yeah. yeah I've seen yeah. some of that. It's like, no, yeah. I'm talking full on period piece. Get a bunch of awesome films from the 1960s. Have you play out your favorite scenes from yeah. them? That would be awesome. I mean, I remember the characters from Vice City and the characters from San Andreas. Mm -hmm. Other than the protagonist, I cannot tell you a character that really sticks out in my mind in GTA V. Oh, uh, oh, well, that's the thing. JR, I didn't, um, I played a bunch of it when it came out. And then during the pandemic, it came to like Game Pass and I played it again and like, I have a really deep affection for GTA V. And because okay. Michael will never forgive me if I don't say it, game development, man, it's become a different thing in the last 20 years because the PlayStation 2 got three GTAs and GTA V got three PlayStations. It, uh, <laughs> it launched on three, got to four, and then got a massive remake on PlayStation 5. And... Five has encompassed three PlayStations. That's insane to yeah. me. I mean, it's very weird. Yes, <laughs> but you know, it's got a, it's got a big open world end game that you know people love. I've never been able to get into it, but only because I feel like I haven't been able to start it properly. Right, but I would say GTA Online is mainly inspired by Vice City. Like the you missions so? you do in GTA Online, building your criminal empire. That's what Tommy Versetti is doing. Yeah. He's building his criminal empire. Yeah, he wasn't. You know his... what I do think is interesting is that the the main market for this game are all people who probably vaguely remember Miami Vice being on as children. Very vaguely. But probably didn't watch Miami Vice. And I yeah. would love to hear in comments, did this make you go watch Miami Vice and did it like blow your mind? Because it it's actually a pretty have. fun show. I believe there was a PSP version called Vice City Stories, which is just a new game in the same place. And they added mm -hmm. a polygonal licensed Phil Collins as he appeared <laughs> in Miami Vice, uh, voicing himself. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Um, again, ask your husband. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. don't know for sure. Yeah, I, I had vague memories of Miami Vice, but this game 
gave me everything I could want from that. So I never felt the need to actually go to Miami Vice. Well, one of the things I liked about Vice City was they started you off in the flashy, like tourist area of Miami and there's a storm. So only after the game progresses, do you go to the like the ghetto area? I I can't say for sure, but I I think they literally start you out like where the the ending sequence of the birdcage is. Or like that. Oh yeah, it's supposed that, to be uh, that club. The Art Deco strip there. Yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, it's like that's that's what there's a lot of game nerds out there. But I like that Diana, Michael, and I are sometimes movie nerds, and what Rockstar is really good about, and it's why they made such a good game with the Warriors. They pack in references visually, things they don't have to license from people into every genre, including Red Dead Redemption. If you don't know westerns, like every one of these missions is a reference mm-hmm. to something pretty old and specific. That, uh, that just, you know, why would younger gamers get this? They're not into old Western <laughs> movies, but it, it's so rewarding if you do. And uh, I, I wish, I can't wait, because the rumor, the rumor be, and by rumor, I mean the 90 plus leaked videos that came out from the unannounced GTA 6, it's going back to Vice City. And yes, they got a season assist takedowns, which means that's definitely happening. <laughs> we just don't know when. But yeah, yeah, this game... I think it has an utterly juvenile sense of humor that revels in stereotyping every group. Mm -hmm. Every group you can think of is a stereotype on this game. And that's that's what it is you know it's just wearing the type of game it is on its sleeve and uh it's it's still addicting i played like four hours of it this week which is an insane amount of time for me do you play the old ones or those remasters at once uh everything i've read says the remasters are not good and don't bother with them uh, they they, they lost some of the songs, um, as yeah. I understand it. Yep. Yeah, I just played the old one, and it was like, okay, this is clunky graphics, but that's part of my charm of remembering playing this. Mm-hmm. And I just got sucked into the missions. I was like, still trying to earn enough money to buy that club, damn it. I, I, <laughs> Didn't yeah. succeed, though. Didn't have enough time. But I, I, uh, I know yeah, San Andreas the, the, is the better game in that PlayStation 2 trilogy, but Vice City is the one I prefer. San Andreas is the better game. Mm-hmm. I didn't manage to 100% San Andreas. Oh, it was impossible. For whatever reason, this one was the only one I've ever been able to platinum. Wow. Back nice. before we had platinum. Love GTA Vice City. And I, I, I'd heard they cleaned up the remastered ones. I'm still skeptical. Maybe my <laughs> memories are better off preserved in Crystal. That's what I decided. I mean, all they had to do is just put... Vice City in the GTA 5 engine. That is not recreated. A thing. No? Many fans did that and they got uh, yeah. DMCA takedowns. But that's my point. If the fans could do it, why couldn't Rockstar with its literally billions of dollars of cash go, okay, let's just recreate, not reinvent the wheel, just use this engine, put the uh, Vice City uh, put the uh, lines of dialogue that we've already got recorded. Boom. That does not Everyone's happy. gel with how game development works. And part of the reason they did the remastered ones is because they were mobile ports and they could run them through something automated rather than completely redesign everything. But again, if fans can do it, why couldn't a billion dollar corporation I'm do with it? you. And I, I don't see why they couldn't funnel some development money there. The last thing I'll say, super game wise, the, the interesting article I read, you know, Rockstar, this was not Rockstar's only game, especially of this era. They put out a ton of shit. They got a, the Midnight Club series and uh, Red Dead Redemption, Beater Raider. There's a, there's a ton of other bully. A co- apparently, if GTA 6 does come out in the PS5, GT, uh, Xbox Series X era, it will be the only game Rockstar publishes for that entire wow. console cycle because of how big and hard these things are to make and pay for. 
even though I believe, if we haven't said it, I think pound for pound, Grand Theft Auto is the most profitable series ever. They don't disclose yeah. specific dollar amounts that games get. And just if you factored in GTA Online alone to the series, it's outgrossed Star Wars, Harry Potter. Yeah, it, it's it's huge. Marvel, it's way outgrossed everything. Oh, shit. That's, and I think that's... Right. Before, anyway, so, moving on. All right. All right, so, Woo. yeah, we gotta wrap this up because I know you guys could talk for hours. Now, do we want to go out of 2002 with something from 2002, like Times Like These by Foo Fighters, or... No, GTA. Because there's so much music in GTA. And I I love, like, Michael is constantly discovering music from video games. Mm -hmm. And there are, like I said, there's seven CDs of music. (laughs) And that's that's just a little bit of it. That's not all of it. So were there songs that you discovered from playing GTA Vice City? I will acquiesce. I will acquiesce to whatever JR wants from Vice City, but I will give Foo Fighters times like these a shout out because I did think it was really special on the eve of somebody winning the last election. We were all kind of wondering, what are they going to play in SNL? And they come out with this quiet version of this song that I don't care about at all. And I was, we all guessed wrong on what they were going to play. And it was times like these and it recontextualized that song for me. In like literally the world getting better. <laughs> it makes me misty just thinking about it. So watch that SNL performance. It's an interesting performance on a very interesting day that nobody expected. But whatever JR wants from Vice City. We, we can play Foo Fighters next week if you want. Sure. Okay. Electric Light Orchestra for Little Diamond. <laughs> That's not oh. what I expected. Awesome. That's not what I expected either, but I... Well, yes, you're it, asking me what did I discover? I mean, a lot of the songs are songs I knew before. I no, didn't no, know and, that and, one. And, and uh-huh. like whatever people oh. play ELO, you, you think 70s, like these people defined 80, 81. Like, yeah, ELO, man. It's good shit. Yeah. Oh, All right. So many things that people think are the Beatles are actually ELO. <laughs> <laughs> Take us out, ELO. We got one more segment to get done. That's 2012, and it's coming up right after this. Don't move. I really can't give Mrs. Internet and all the ships at sea. It's time for Diana's cl- it's time for Diana's Classic Corner. We go even further back this week to see if there's anything worth a watching. And for the week of October 21st through 27th, what a week to be alive in 1982. I was alive in 1982, but I was too busy dealing with kindergarten issues. I wasn't going to see movies. Uh, these movies were a little, little much for a five-year-old. But I actually do remember one of these albums coming out. So I want to talk about music first. 1982, the same week, Under Pressure by Queen and David Bowie is released as a single. One of the greatest songs ever? I mean, my God. Don't try to do it at karaoke, though. It is so hard. Obviously, Freddie Mercury and David Bowie both can hit notes that most people cannot hit. But God, such a powerful song. Just everything about it is amazing. And then, right then, the same week, Prince releases 1999. A credible album. (laughs) This I actually do remember of just being like, who's that guy who's dressed very flamboyantly and he's singing about fun stuff? I'm a little confused, but I'm having fun. Side one is 1999 Little Red Corvette and Delirious. I don't know if you can come up with a better way to open 
an album, which is, it's a double album. Uh, it's also got Let's Pretend We're Married, International Lover. I, it's just, everyone knows 1999 Little Red Corvette. Go listen to the whole thing. Like, go listen to Princess, listen to albums as they were released, and, and they come across very different. Yeah, 1999, just an incredible album in <laughs> Prince. I'm not even a huge Prince fan. I just appreciate how good he is at what he does, man. All right, Pete. And then in the movie theaters for spooky season, we have Halloween 3 Season of the Witch, which is uh, a controversial film because it is a Halloween movie that has no Michael Myers in it. It's not a slasher movie. It has nothing to do with anything except that it takes place at Halloween and Halloween's very important. It's not written or directed by John Carpenter, but... Wow, is it weird. It's just such a weird movie, mostly because it's got Tom Atkins as, like, one of the least likable protagonists for a movie. He's just, like, an angry drunk who doesn't know what he's doing, and he just sort of stumbles into this plot, which is not very sensical, but also kind of ominous. It, it was because, like, it's targeting kids and it's Halloween, and so that's really spooky, but it's one of those, like, you think about it for ten seconds, it doesn't make a hell of a lot of sense, but... It is interesting as hell, and uh, I believe JR and Chris and the Talking Terrific Television guys dug into Halloween 3 along with Friday the 13th 3. For bonus time, you can hear if you go to the Patreon, Halloween 3. I do recommend it. I don't think it's good. I don't think almost anything about it is good, but goddamn is it watchable and offbeat. And then, not for spooky season, but one of the most fascinating movies, mostly because of where it went in its sequels, First Blood turns 40 this week. Now, originally, this is a movie that could have starred Clint Eastwood or Robert De Niro, or they were talking to Paul Newman. I think they talked to Steve McQueen. And then they realized a lot of those guys, they're kind of too old to be a Vietnam vet. But what people mostly think of as a Rambo movie is not First Blood. They are thinking Rambo 2 and 3. Just like Rocky, Sylvester Stallone would star in these movies that were kind of low-key indie sort of feeling kind of movies and they do really well and then he would make sequels that were like parodies of that and they just got blown up and crazy as fuck this is not about a guy who goes back to vietnam and refights the war and we win this time this is not about a guy who goes to afghanistan and single-handedly defeats the soviets on behalf of the mujahideen good job there dude first blood is about a vietnam vet with ptsd who just gets fucking hassled and he snaps and he just loses it and it originally had a much more downbeat ending but i mean mostly it's just about a guy on the outs just getting hassled by the man if you've never watched first blood i think you will be very surprised if you only know rambo from rambo sequels or that goddamn cartoon or people's just memories of shit like that where it's just like no this is not about him being a militarized superman this is about him trying to deal with brian dennehy that's about it man it's kind of like walking tall with more guns. Anyway, yeah, First Blood, total recommend, though. It's a solid-ass movie. And that's it for this week. Stay for that second. Coming into 2012 with Red by Taylor Swift off the album of the same name, which is on the Rolling Stones' best 500 albums list. 
Welcome to 2012, everyone. October 21st to the 27th. Other albums that came out this week include 18 Months by Calvin Harris, We Don't Even Live Here by P.O.S., uh, Hello My Name Is by Bridget Mendler and Kendrick Lamar's Good Kid. I do not know how to pronounce this album. And Mad, Mad City, which is also on Rolling Stone's Best 500 Album List. One More Night by Maroon 5 is still number one. Moving on into the news of 2012, in case you forget what's happening 10 years ago in our world outside of pop culture, six Italian scientists are convicted of manslaughter for their failure to predict the 2009 La Aquila Aquila earthquake. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So this this like sent shockwaves Ah, through the scientific community. They were like, holy freaking crud. Are you guys stupid? Looking into this more, what happened was these six Italian scientists were on this board. There was a bureaucrat in charge of it. They gave their findings. The bureaucrat seems to be the one who decided to write in the report, there is no danger of an earthquake. Now, there's always a danger of an earthquake. Sometimes that danger is one in a billion. There's always a danger. But he he said, okay, I think I understand what you scientists say. So I am writing no danger, <laughs> period, print. Oh, no, earthquake. Yeah, it's only a couple years before the L'Aquila earthquake hit, which was a 6.3. Pretty good earthquake, killed 300 people, made 65,000 people homeless. And so they decided, like, we weren't prepared for this. And it's those guys' fault because they didn't write a report good. Uh, that's not really how science works. Yes. And these and the convictions were overturned. They oh. they weren't actually. But they were sentenced to six years in prison wow. for not being good enough seismologists. Yeah. Uh, thankfully, an appeals court overturned it and reduced it to two years, mm. which is still not great. So. No, no. Oh. Earthquakes happen, particularly in Italy. Anywhere there's mountains nearby, just assume there's earthquakes also. There you go. That's, that's how it goes, man. Good rule of thumb. Hey, look, interesting. Uh, we move into movies of 2012 uh, from October 21st to 27th. Argo moves up to number one at the box office. That Eight. rarely even happened 10 years ago. Yeah, give mortar mouth, man. Everyone was like, oh shit, this movie's great. Yes, but uh, other movies are out this week, including some you may have seen. Abigail Spencer, Elizabeth Shue, Johnny Weston, and Gerard Butler in Chasing Mavericks, the sequel to <sighs> Top Gun. No. Uh, no. <laughs> I every time I see it, I want to say it like Grace, Grace Slick. I say, if you go chasing Mavericks and you know you're going to fall, <laughs> sure. it's it's a surfing movie. It's based on some true stuff, which is kind of interesting. That Mavericks off of Half Moon Bay in California is this legendary surf spot that's also dangerous as fuck, and the waves are amazing, but. They will kill you. And so this is about a guy. He really wants to go out surfing there. And his surf buddy, Gerard Butler, is like, you got to train because this is kind of a sports movie. And uh, also, I have emotional sadness. And then they go and they surf. And <laughs> but the, I, the more important thing about this, honestly, is that it's the last movie of Curtis Hansen. Right. Who I couldn't finish the movie. He was sick. And Michael Apted came in and finished it for him. They're both dead now. I'm not sure why Curtis Hansen did this. I mean, he also did Wonder Boys and L.A. Confidential and Eight, Eight Mile. Mile that we're going to talk about very soon. Mm-hmm. Eight Mile is right around the corner for us. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe because he did River Wild. And that's a movie that's way better than it should be. And it also has water. I don't know. It's just sort of it's fine. The surfing stuff is fine. Just oh, a lot of a lot of cliches. You, you have a if you've seen just about any sports movie you can pretty much call out what the next scene is going to be mm. Meh. and then um 
man, a film I didn't get to rewatch, but have watched and yeah. wanted it to work maybe more than it did. Cause just, I don't like my appraisal was like, that was fun. Glad to see that happen. And critics are not, do not agree with me. Carrie Kenny Silver, Anna Gasteyer, Josh Pence, Johnny Knoxville, Ricky Lindholm, Osric Chow, Jackson Nicole, Thomas Middleditch, Chelsea Handler, Thomas Mann, Thomas McDowell, Jane Levy, and Victoria Justice in fun size. Fun size. There's a lot of really fun comedic actors packed in there, huh? In much smaller roles, because it is yeah. ultimately a teen kind of sex comedy from Nickelodeon set on Halloween. And yeah, I, I admit I didn't get around to it. Uh, I s- saw a lot of people comparing it to Adventures in Babysitting, but it's Halloween, mm-hmm. so which sounds I, great, but then the critics were like, meh. I watched this. I'm a sucker for the one crazy night subgenre. Yeah, me too. Yeah, that, that's where, you know, you start off, everything's going normal. One thing happens that sets things off, which causes the next crazy thing. And the dominoes keep falling. And by the end of the night, you're looking around going, what the hell happened? <laughs> so if you go in with that type of mindset and be aware that it's, you know, aimed at kids, I think it works. It's a perfectly enjoyable children's film. I think children enjoy the sense of having crazy thing happen in their own environment there's no dragons there's no wizards there's no nothing it's just suburbia where things keep going wrong and it's a ramped up suburbia but not any more than ventures and babysitting was a ramped up city mm-hmm. you know i've mm-hmm. been to plenty of cities and not once has anyone demanded i sing the blues before i leave a bar <laughs> you're going to the wrong bars i know it just in in, in revisiting it it was just that, like, it's kind of a teen thing. It's a teen thing. And I just, yeah, Halloween just wasn't, like, no romance do I associate with the time of Halloween at all. And yeah. I, I don't know if that's just yeah, me. I mean, but... Well, I don't know. I, I feel like there's been a bit of a cultural change. Of course, uh, totally. I feel like sexy costumes are far, far more common now or, or even in, in 10 years ago than they were in my teenage years. But that's possible. I just wasn't going to the right parties. Yeah, re- and re- listeners replace that with any parties. Um, <laughs> Ditto. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, this is teen. There's like, yeah, it's it's there's a romance part of it, but mm-hmm. it's more about the craziness, I think. Okay. And uh, the jokes are musing. You know, go in with the right mindset. I think it, it works fine. There's a couple of yikes moments when, you know, an adult man decides to take along a non-talking six-year-old boy on his adventure. Mm. Yeah, and it's where you're going, oh, all right, movie, I'm going to go along with you, but this is a little creepy. <laughs> oh. But it, it's movie logic, you know. Mm. Is it a recommender? No. It's a recommend if you have kids and you want to have a crazy... There should be more movies be with more kids set at Halloween. Like and it, like mm-hmm. Hocus yeah. Pocus is like all we got this year. Mm-hmm. I'd say if you've watched Hocus Pocus and you are looking for another Halloween movie to watch with your kids, yes, it's a recommend. Got it. Okay. Quite the opposite for the next oh, film. Oh, God, I hated this. <laughs> yeah, me too. This was so bad. <laughs> uh, Martin Donovan, uh, Deborah Kara Unger, Malcolm McDowell, Carrie Ann Moss, Kit Harrington, Rada Mitchell, Sean Seen Bean, Adelaide Clemens, and Silent Hill Revelation. Her powers were a mystery. What's happening? You did this. How can it be me? Until her destiny to Silent Hill. was revealed. You were chosen to kill the demon. Go to hell! Where are you? 
already here. Silent Hill Revelation 3D. Revelation 3D. Uh, 3D. I had sort of gone on record long ago. It would have had to have been long ago because the new Mario movie looks great. The new Sonic movies have been great. Even the Angry Birds movies have been great. But video game movies typically sucked. And Silent mm-hmm. Hill, the first one was kind of like, it came from a pretty big horror pedigree. But like, uh, yeah, it was not bad. And it reviewed well. And it did. It was successful enough to merit a sequel, which most video game movies are not. That said, I don't know much about the Silent Hill series. I've not liked it as as far as games go. Uh, I. Uh- I played two mm-hmm. alone in Japan on like my first week living in a foreign country in an isolated rural village. So that freaked me out. It was literally <laughs> the scariest I've ever had a video game make me feel. I've never been able to recreate that experience with any other games. So I'm not a huge fan of this franchise. I just had that one really amazing experience. I got high for up to 20 to 40 hours and watched it's like the longest I've watched a friend play something, and it freaked okay. me out. All right. Yeah, I could see that. But I never saw the first Silent Hill film. This is the only Silent Hill oh film I've ever seen, and it sucks. <laughs> it is just a unscary movie. To me, if you're going to make a Silent Hill movie, one, you should make it the plot of two. Two, it needs to be a psychological horror. How do they skip? So two, the, they skip two altogether to make one and three in the films. I mean, two is the most I, successful one. Exactly. Two is like what I'd say has had the biggest cultural impact of the Silent Hill games, mm-hmm. and yet they didn't turn that into a movie when it's a natural movie plot. A man. I'm not going to spoil it because it's a pretty good plot for a video game. But a man is trapped in Silent Hill. And if you just have it be a psychological horror, which is what Silent Hill is, you're trapped there for your own psychological reasons. Make it a total shining movie where it's just creepy and disturbing and only glimpses of horror. You can make that work. This is just a badly written film with horrible dialogue where they over explain the plot and none of the characters are interesting. It's crappy CGI. So it's not scary. Ten-year-old crappy CGI is not scary. I I mean, there's one scene where a character says, go to hell. And the other character says, oh, we're already there. And I think that's the best line of dialogue. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, Yeah, and I feel bad I didn't get around to this because I believe as you're listening to this, there's probably a bunch of big Silent Hill news for the first time in a long time. They're promising something. But again, I'm not a fan of the series. That's really more Mr. Diana Goodman and Michael Raparez. Yeah, I've learned if he's playing, don't sneak up on him. Oh my God. We streamed Five Nights at Freddy's once and he screamed. Oh my goodness. The next movie I've seen... Many times, and I'm a huge apologist for, apparently. Look at this cast. Keith David, Susan Sarandon, Hugo Weaving, uh, Donna Bay, Hugh Grant, Halle Berry, Ben Ben Wishaw, Jim Broadbent, David uh, Geisai, Jim yes. Sturgis, and Tom Thomas Hanks uh, in Cloud Atlas. Which, another trailer that's mm-hmm. pretty much all this. Our lives <laughs> are not our own. No. We are bound to others, past, present, and future. Yeah. 
Everything is connected. I would recommend. You know what? As far as tra- I, I think we did a show about trailers. This is my fi- one of my favorite trailers ever. For it, it's a pretty good trailer. Not this one. Yeah. There's a there's like a seven and a half minute trailer. Like I'm not kidding. A seven and a half minute long trailer for Cloud Atlas because it is a long movie. I don't know how many times I've finished the film. Two minutes under three hours. Yeah, uh, under three hours, and it yeah. packs in a lot. Because it has to move like a fucking freight train. Because uh, it was a book I really liked and that seemed unadaptable. And then you get the Wachowskis involved in what's oh, the director of uh, Run Lola Run. Yeah, Tom Tykfer. Tom Tykfer. I don't. I saw. I saw somebody on a plane that, and it really looked like they were adapting this book. There was a map on the tray table, and they had the page open. There's all the stuff on it, and like I should ask, and I really wish I did because I think it's a pretty noble adaptation. Because it's a it's yeah. a very difficult yeah. to. The yeah. author said that he didn't think this could ever be adapted. Yeah, it's interesting the way they chose it to adapt it because mm-hmm. the novel itself is a Russian doll. Yes, you start mm-hmm. on one side, go to the middle, and then the stories that you read in the first half continue on. That seems interesting, and I kind of would like to see that film. I would be Memento. very interested. <laughs> what Memento? Memento is like a oh. film folded in half. <laughs> yeah. And... But I'd I'd like to see a fan cut because this version they cut between the scenes to show the uh, similarities, the differences, the themes. So you're cutting from story to story, and you have to pay attention. I would be interested if they just go story, 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 middle, ending of story one, ending of story two, ending of story three. You know? Yeah, I can't. Yeah. I Is can't. There... How many stories? Seven? Six? Seven? Six or seven mm-hmm. that all take place in very different time periods, but all starring the same actors, just in very different roles. So, I mean, it's you could say, oh, it's about, you know, reincarnation, that these are the same people being reincarnated and running into each other over and over, telling very different stories. One of them, you know, there's there's ones in the past about like a slave ship, and then there's a post-apocalyptic future where people are living in the forest and there's uh, another future with the you know very cyberpunky future do you love that yeah, future there's there's so much going on yes and this it's it's interesting from the standpoint of the Wachowskis they hadn't made a movie for four years and the last one was Speed Racer which was not received very well people really like it now those who do and this is also Lana Wachowski's coming out mm-hmm. as Lana we hadn't seen her as Lana before right so that was kind of a thing and and they're working with a third director and like they're all filming at the same time but they're all like working out what they're gonna do and they've got this like huge cast and it's like can this is a little too ambitious. Can they pull it off? I think generally they do. It is ridiculous. I will go to bat for this. Me too. But I completely understand Me too. if you don't like it. Me too. This is yeah. not everyone's cup of tea. I was very lucky. Most of the time when I'm doing research for this show, I have a back of my head voice shouting, it's almost tomorrow! Because <laughs> I have so little free time. But I was on a plane and I just got a revel in this i just i didn't have anywhere to be i didn't have anything to do i was on a plane so i got to luxuriate in this three hour long movie give it a hundred percent of my attention and if i wasn't in that state of mind i don't know if i would have enjoyed it you know i i, I know was... i've drunkenly started the movie several times but there's no way i can get to the end of a movie that long after you know recordings like these and such <laughs> but i loved every storyline i thought the decision to have the actors play 
people throughout time and space and playing different de- genders, different races was worthy for this story. I can understand the problems with it. Oh, yeah. But for this story, I think it was the right call. Dude, you got Keith David as an Asian. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What, why would anybody complain about that? Right. <laughs> <laughs> it... Yeah. All right. So I looked it up. There's six stories. Uh, mm-hmm. Pacific Islands, 1849. Cambridge, 1936. San Francisco, 1973. London, modern day. Neo Seoul, 2144. And the Big Island, 106 winters after the fall. Yeah. Wow. I don't so, know what that is. To, to me, to boil down, I think the point of Cloud Atlas is like the love you find for one another in the midst of the shittiness society puts upon you. And, and I think the theme is there's no small kindnesses because yeah. again and again as the stories, we see a little kindness that allowed the person to tell their next story mm-hmm. and the next person got motivation. They got inspiration from the previous story and so on throughout the centuries. Yeah. And that's, yeah. that's why I really love the ending because like it ends in a way the book never could and, and, and where, where all the stories end at the same time. I didn't like how they began at the same time. But ending at the same time was really cool. And I, and that's where I really thought it was lovely to see all these people playing different, the same people playing all these different people and in different makeup. And some of the stuff that I would never, this movie would never be greenlit today mm-hmm. if it's going to put, you know, Ben Wishaw and Asian, Hugo Weaving with Asian-eyed makeup. But it works because it's just trying to point out the connection between everything. And, mm-hmm. and we, and we yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I well, I really I was wondering how I would feel about it going back and rewatching. Because I remember seeing it in the theaters and being like, "Yeah, mostly, wow, that was that's a big swing. It's mm-hmm. it's ambitious. It's audacious. It, it, there's a lot going on. This is not going to connect with people." And I was right. But <laughs> I, like, I feel like it's I, I, it's it's less deep and philosophical than it thinks it is. Yes. But it's still, I found it still very interesting and very entertaining. And like, very moving. It's, it's three hours, but I don't feel like I'm wasting the three hours. Like, I'm seeing something different watching this. Mm-hmm. Like, there's not a lot of movies like this. I, it's great. No. Sure. It's great to frame it as an experiment as well, because, like, I forget, it's got a Warner Brothers logo on it, but it's, like, independently financed. I think they distributed it, and it, yeah. I think, holds the record for, like, the most expensive in, indie movie, whatever the fuck that means, of all time, because it's $130 yeah. million. And even when the trailer came out, like, it's never going to make that up again. No. And, no. This is not a big-budget blockbuster. This is a huge-budget art film. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And I like some art films. I like what they were trying to do. I would honestly enjoy more adjusted for inflation 200 million dollar art oh yes let me see what you can do i just don't think there's a market to support it i mean look at look at blonde it doesn't seem like there's (laughs) critics to support it either oh christ yeah uh, and i I feel like well one of the few lasting things out of this probably the score i've i've heard the score reused for stuff which is uh reinhold hell and uh johnny climax who do all the time tom tykver stuff which he's also credited on the score as well but it's sort of uh yeah it just it's interesting yeah i think cloud atlas, uh, cloud atlas it is definitely an interesting film like there's no getting away from it it is interesting mm-hmm. is it for everyone god no <laughs> but you can do get to see hugh grant as some sort oh of my like, god witch doctor monster man <laughs> it's pretty amazing <laughs> no, everybody does something hunting down tom hanks everybody who you've seen before and other things kind of gets to play a really weird character against type 
that like yeah. may not be able to sustain a whole movie, but is really clever to work in in this way. Halle Berry said she was incredibly grateful for this film because mm-hmm. it allowed her to act in time and places in roles that someone who looks like her yeah. could never have that role. I, I was stunned to learn way later on, like there's just a cutaway sequence to her in the the ship story that like she's mm-hmm. like a white person covered head to toe in tattoos and I had no idea it was her. Yeah. And it's it's so it's so cool to have that kind of thing. Because I don't know, like I don't know. Well I also think it makes the stories flow better. Mm-hmm. You know, if these were completely different actors every single time period, I don't think it would work nearly as well as trying to show the continuity through time. Are these yeah. reincarnated people? They all have the same tattoo. Are there some genetic lineage? Who knows? It's meant to show the connectedness of humans through time. Mm-hmm. And I think it does a really good job of that. I think it's a great yeah. film and and worth recommending to people. And I've just seen like, for the most part, it get politely laughed at throughout the last couple mm-hmm. of years. And I think it's time for it to be reappraised. Is it, did you get to see this on Netflix? It was on, it's been on Netflix forever. Like mm-hmm. the, the point where I wonder like, this has Warner Brothers name on it. Does HBO Max just not want this anymore? <laughs> <laughs> I, t- I, Tom Hanks, who doesn't love Tom Hanks? Yep. Says this is his favorite movie he ever made. Wow. And wow. And and again, Tom it Hanks gets like, to do things. It sounds like the cast had fun because yeah. they get to play all these different characters. And some of them are the main character of a story, and sometimes they're a minor character. When does character Tom Hanks get to play a villain? It's, um, it's happened. Elvis. That's it. Elvis and uh, that circle movie. I'm I'm sure oh, nobody saw. I haven't seen this. And, <laughs> but yeah, like it, it's a bunch of people playing a bunch of different Hugo Weaving never gets a chance to play anybody but the villain. Yeah, <laughs> but, that that was one thing I was wondering about. It's like well, his I think, character is damned for all eternity. I think he's supposed to represent the evil that, you know, that what we're all fighting against in every era. Although he is the one who takes the robot waitress's message to the world and she says at the very end one person believes my story and it's obviously talking to hugo weaving so maybe that's his redemption he did it was after he gave several speeches about the natural order of things and those who (laughs) seem to amend it i think the movie's great and it's I hate saying this phrase that I hope it describes what I think it means, but like a real fucking movie-ass movie, there is a lot of shit happening in here, a lot of great sets and a lot of great uh, cinematography and a, a lot of great location-based shoots and a really fun plane explosion. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's an epic. It sprawls. It goes everywhere. Yeah, and, 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 and like it just – you could pluck that Korean future segment like and that could just be like – fleshed out into any Wachowski movie they've made in the last couple of years, but it just sits so wonderfully in the, this tale of a, oh God, a forcibly retired man and uh, his, his awful book client, also played by Tom Hanks, who throws a dude off a building. Oh, I love everything. <laughs> There's so many sequences I, I'm that are flashing back to me now. Again, I didn't rewatch it for the show because I've watched it like five times, which is like 15 hours of Cloud Atlas. I should have a PhD by now. I've done a semester's work of Cloud Atlas. But I, yeah, I'm so glad we're all kind of in agreement here. There's plenty of things that like you could argue don't work, but I get the same good feeling I get when I read the book and when I saw it in theaters and then when I watched it at home. I get it every time. And it's only hard to make it through because of the runtime. Big recommend for me, set time aside. Yeah. I don't, yeah. don't feel like you're going to watch this in two goes. I really think you should watch it in one go. Yeah, and put your phone down. Like, yeah, no fun. A lot of the information's coming visually. It's not a movie you can just listen to. 
this requires your full attention. It is not a laundry folding movie at all. Man, I remember one time at a bar, I was talking to a friend of mine, and we were t- she was talking about how much she loved the book. I'm like, oh, man, I really like the movie. She's like, there's a movie? Like, all right. Let's have finish this drink. I'm gonna go outside and show you this my trailer. It's my the six seven minute trailer. It's one of my favorite trailers I've ever seen. And I show it out on my phone. Like we need to go back and watch this right now. It is eleven twelve <laughs> at night, and we somehow make it all the way through. Some of us. I'm I can't, I would. I started this anecdote out wanting to name names of who was throwing up by the end of Cloud Atlas on a drunken bar night till as we watched it till 3.30 in the morning. But uh, me and that friend made it. Other people who have been hosts on this show did not. And <laughs> But I love, yeah, I love Cloud Atlas. Recommended everyone. Let's move on to television to 2012. I guess this counts. Yeah, no, this did air. 2012, yeah. October 21st to 27th. It aired as a special of some kind, but it was like already canceled at that point. Yeah. We uh, hated it so much. We're going to show it to you. Uh, well, you paid for it. You know, it's a pilot for, for a TV show. You paid for it. It's perfect for spooky season. So Mockingbird yeah. Lane, which ends up just as a TV movie, not as going to full series. But it's a Munsters reboot. So that's timely. We got another one of those right fucking now, which I've heard mixed things about. But this one's from, uh, what's his name? Brian Fuller. Brian Fuller. Thank the, you. The best guys Brian working in television. And I don't yeah. love this. Who's a weird dude who does <laughs> weird shit. We have talked a lot about Hannibal and how much Hannibal rules. Yeah. So, yeah, let's make a Munsters, but it actually has, like, there's some horror to it. Like, mm-hmm. it actually does have some spooky season stuff going on. With uh, Jerry O'Connell, though, is Herman, who is not like a Frankenstein, Portia de Rossi, and Eddie Izzard as Grandpa, which now yeah. confuses it, it goes a little dark. I mean, the Frankenstein monster is like rotting and they have to replace his body parts. And the Eddie Munster character is turning into a werewolf and murdering his Boy Scout troop. <laughs> and Grandpa, a uh, vampire dude, is like eating people. And yeah, it's it, it, it goes to pretty grisly areas for a TV pilot, honestly. Yeah. Yep. Someone needs to tell Eddie Izzard that is not going to help her get elected as the MP for Sheffield Central, young lady. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, she's she's running. She's running for parliament, Eddie Izzard is. And and I consider myself, I really do, a massive, massive Monsters fan. And mm-hmm. I don't I can't honestly tell you why, but I did always prefer them to the Adams family, and I feel like I'm the only person willing to admit that. I am brave. I always preferred the Monsters because it was like way bigger. And what it I, I couldn't find this again to watch, but I've watched it twice because I, ha- I have all the Munster stuff on DVD. You know, you get drunk and high enough, it's all fucking bliss. But I tried to watch Rob Zombie's one and like, dude, I know what you're trying to do, but this is like, this is like if Jeff Bezos made a movie about his favorite thing. This is embarrassing. You're supposed to like make this relevant to now. This is so difficult to watch in 2022 that... Yeah, fucking Mockingbird Lane. <laughs> I would prefer some melding of the two. Because if you didn't see that new Rob Zombie movie, like a man struggling his best to create 50s jokes right now with a porno budget. I don't know. It just looks, looks very cheap. Yeah, I admit it's another one I didn't get around to Mockingbird Lane. People whose opinions I generally like liked it mm-hmm. because of its just silliness. Like they're, they're they're mixing the silliness and and actual horror instead of just the silliness of the show. It's mm-hmm. like, okay, and yeah, I'm down with most things that Brian Fuller's done, just because he's he's weird. He's he just, does weird shit that other people wouldn't do. So okay, I think the show would have sold way better in the streaming era 
and mm-hmm. would have been a 10 episode series during September and October. Yep. Instead, like they're showing this like the week before Halloween. Let's hope we get a pickup as we lead into this episode of Grimm. Like, that's not really fair. How, who's going to care when you pick this up in November or January? You're missing your thematic tie in. Yeah. I don't know how. It... For, for movies every Halloween. There you yeah. go. Do TV movies. There you go. We need to bring those back. Also, this week on uh, NBC, the 30 Rock episode, Unwindlax. Yeah. Unwindlax. Unwindlax. This is the episode where Jenna writes a Jimmy Buffett song <laughs> and her own Jimmy Buffett like groupies, all devoted to the being mellow. And she is quite proud of the fact that she is the most heightened maintenance person in Hollywood. So she has to pretend to be chill. But then it turns out that due to the Electoral College, Florida is the only vote, uh, only votes that are up for grab in the 2012 election. And so that whoever she decides to endorse will win the presidency. (laughs) Yeah, this is part part one of two of their right up against the election. (laughs) And I, I, I totally forgot about that part, but I did remember the part about Jack taking Liz to a Romney fundraiser as bait, just bothering her and bothering her until she does one of her big liberal tirades. And that makes everyone want to give money to shut her up. Like, Oh honey, I feel, I feel that so bad, man. Yeah. 30 rock winding down. Uh, yeah. And- last season of 30 rock, last season of the office too. And then the For office. Here comes treble. Here comes treble. <laughs> This was the episode where Andy invites his old acapella group to perform. And it has some of the great scenes where they're saying, wait, Andy, you were in an acapella group? You went to Cornell? Because he mentions it all the goddamn times. And they just pretend that he's never mentioned it before. This is the big start of Jim's arc of starting his business. Sports marketing. Yeah. And there's... To this day, it's a hotly debated topic in the office fan community about whether Pam was supportive of his efforts to start that business the way Jim was supportive of her mm. in her many endeavors. Hmm. He's a father now. You can't fuck around. Well, that's a factor, actually. That's a huge thing. When you're around, a trying father. To go, trying to go start an agency that he saw in Old Dogs. It's a good reference to the people who saw it. Yeah, and yeah. Stephen Colbert is Broccoli Rob. That's a, that's a great douchebag name, Broccoli yeah. Rob. <laughs> uh, but, but it is a bit of a Halloween episode. Mm-hmm. My favorite moment is when Creed is in the office with blood all over his suit. And someone says, nice Halloween outfit. And he says, thank you. And then it cuts away to him talking to the camera. I forgot it was Halloween. I'm sure lucky. That was a freebie or something like that? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Moving on into video games of 2012. One of the best video games of that decade, I think. Hotline Miami is out on PC. Just a great game. This is so in city. We're going back, huh? It's true. We are a hundred percent. It's it's got that eighties vibe to it. The gameplay loop on this is very addicting. You die, you've lost like three, maybe four seconds of progress, and it restarts you instantly. Mm-hmm. It's it's all about being quick and brutal, and it's a great gameplay loop. But it's got a retro look, Diana. So it's never really disgusting, <laughs> despite. Kind of doing some of the most disgusting things, the disgusting act of violence you've ever seen, but it's cute, almost. One of my least favorite names in video game history, Medal of Honor, Warfighter. Warfighter, <laughs> Semper Fi, we're doing this for honor. Yeah, I didn't play this. <laughs> uh, 
I, I learned my lesson with the Medal of Honor series. And nor did I play He-Man, the most powerful game in the universe for iOS. But with a name like that, I'm definitely curious. I looked at it. This is 100% the He-Man game. Eight-year-old me wish he would have had, you know? It's kept down by being on the iPhone and having iPhone controls. But if you could just, like, Bluetooth a joystick and a beat em up button to this, it would be great. You're beating up Merman, the rest of Skeletor's mm -hmm. thugs. It's a good nostalgia trip on a bad platform. iOS is not a good platforming platform. <sighs> I wish they'd listen to you, JR, but still. And that about wraps up the show, but we're going to tell you who died during this period. And man, it might be the most apocalyptic episodes in terms of people who died during this period of 30, 2010. Tragic. And uh, yep. then we'll do a quiz you can play along with uh, who was born, of which I'm sure I'm dominating after one win in a field of many losses against Diana. But uh, let's get some plugs out. Patreon.com slash LazerTime is how we live, how we support ourselves, how we uh, pay for all the stuff that involved in the show. So five bucks, all we ask, hundreds of podcasts. Thank you for your support. And, and Video Game Apocalypse this week. Um, that I know is happening with G -G -G Ghostbusters and hopefully Dan Amrick. Mm-hmm. I mean, where there are Ghostbusters, if there's a proton pack, that noise that a proton pack turning on <laughs> makes, it just summons him. He just appears. Unless it's Ghostbusters 2. About Ghostbusters 2. Damn, right. And he refuses to discuss it. <laughs> yeah. I don't blame him. Anyway, you can follow me at Nerd on Twitter, L-E-C-I-N-E-N-E-R-D, or follow the show at 302010podcast. Coming up next week, Brad Pitt's gone fishing. Adam Sandler is getting serious. Oh, okay. Magnolia level serious. I know what this is. Oh, yes. I'm going to have to watch an Adam Sandler movie, you bunch of bastards. And then video games get their Who Frame Roger Rabbit movie. Oh, boy. Oh, oh boy. Yeah. boy and Oh, okay. We got um, some superhero cartoons people are going to want to talk about. Oh, fantastic. Fantastic. And, sorry. <laughs> A rare news item preview, the best purchase in entertainment history. Mic drop. Oh, I think I know what you mean. Yeah, I think I might as well. No, I'm not sure that I do, actually. <laughs> it's the Ross Perot buying that hour of television. Oh, okay. Okay, not because Disney buying Marvel. I believe that's happening next week. <laughs> JR, where can, do we say where people can find you in? They can find me on the Twitter at J-R-R-A-L-L-S. Again, tell them everything you can about frozen sperms. Gotta know. It's too <laughs> curious. Who died during this period, Die, It's pretty... Uh... Oh, we lost so many good ones. Let's just say uh, one, two, three, four of them. Fuck you, cancer. Mm -hmm. Four out of six of them. Fuck you, cancer. Starting with the two youngest guys. In 1992, we lost Cleavon Little, who's only 53. That's the star of Blazing Saddles. And we lost Roger Miller, who was only 56. He wrote King of the Road and the songs in the Disney's Robin Hood. And he's a lot of fun. And, and, and Cleavon Little just, I'm sure, I have a straight dad of a certain age. So I'm, he's, I'm going to see Blazing Saddles. But before there was an internet, it was just like, what's up with this thought, the guy in Blazing Saddles? Like, I didn't know where he was. And I, dad, where's this guy? He's like, I don't know. Like, uh, I hadn't, I, I still don't know if I've seen him in anything else. He, he came, he became a regular on Rock. I did, like, but then definitely saw him on Rock. A bit before his passing, and I was like, yay, that guy is back, because he's so good. But and yeah, he it... did not, between that and, um, what's that one, with the car? Yeah, you know what I mean. Besides that, he only had a couple 
Yeah, between like just when you're 12 and like this is the funniest guy I've ever seen in my life. Where is he? And you don't have anything to. There's no way to Google it or IMDb. I had no idea he was gone because it just seemed like how could someone this young die this early? 53. God damn. Yeah. Uh Fuck you, cancer. Mm -hmm. Then in 2002, we lost Richard Harris, who is 72. I guess people of a certain age, he's the first Dumbledore. People of every other age, he is. The rootinest, tootinest, drinkinest, fightinest actor Ireland ever produced. <laughs> was that him in Unforgiven? Hell yeah! It okay, was. yeah, yeah. Richard Harris. Uh, Richard Harris, really one of the one of the acting greats. And then uh, we also lost Adolph Green, who is eighty-seven. He was a mostly a screenwriter and lyricist for like all of the best musicals ever freaking made. Mm. Bandwagon, It's Always Fair Weather, Will Rogers Follies, On the Town, Barclays at Broadway. Oh, yeah, singing in the rain, bitches. <laughs> that dialogue is so on point. Did he ever consider him, uh, writing, writing himself a new name? He's a little Jewish guy named Adolf. I know. It sucks. <laughs> <laughs> also, he pops up in my favorite year as an actor that oh. was just in Classic Corner. That was a weird, weird coincidence. Anyway, then in 2012, he lost I... Russell Means, who was 72. God damn it. Again, fuck you, cancer. Uh, American Indian movement activist. We talked about him acting in Less Than Mohicans. He's so good. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's so unfair. And then George McGovern, who was 90, who was the senator from South Dakota for about a jillion years and was so threatening to Nixon that Nixon had to cheat to try to win that election that he was going to cheat anyway and was the Democratic nominee for president in 1972. He, he got trashed. I mean, he lost so badly. There was no reason to cheat in the slightest. No, it's Uh, so pathetic. Fuck you, Nixon. My dog's super mad about it. (laughs) Yeah. I'm really wondering now, who is going to be the last famous person to be named Adolf? Because, you know, there's no new Adolfs being made, by and large. I hope not. I hope not. I don't know. I'd also say the same for Chris's. I'm tired of meeting them. There's going to be one somewhere. Whose parents are not neo Nazis? Yeah, whoever uh, whoever's Kanye's next kid is, is probably gonna get stuck with that. Do not start. <laughs> do not. It's so depressing. My dog right. is flipping out right now. Well, well, now it's time for the birthday quiz. Oh, birthday is a doodly do, a ding dong doodly doodly ding dong do. Birthday quiz. Turning seventy five, born October twenty fourth, nineteen forty seven. In St. Louis, Missouri, he attended Indiana University, where he was a classmate of the actor Jonathan Banks, who played Mike in Breaking Bad. Oh, no way. In 1989, he turned down the chance to play Batman. This is not Adam West, because he, no. he really wanted No, 1989. He has a history of turning down big roles because he talked him out of a role in Jaws and convinced Spielberg to cast his friend instead. Sterling Hayden? No. Ooh. Wow, that's an outside guess. I but, thought I uh, that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so someone who's probably Richard Dreyfuss's friend, I'm feeling, maybe? Movies of his we've talked about include Cry Freedom, Grand Canyon. Ah, Le- I got it. Yes. Keep, keep them coming, though. Let the people play at home. Life as a House, Wild Wild West. Oh, God, really? Asshole! <laughs> The the Conspirator, yeah, Road to El Dorado, Hunchback of Notre Dame, Tale of Despero as Voices, and Bob's Burgers. All right, Kevin Klein, happy birthday! And literally two of my favorite comedies of all time, Soap Dish and A Fish Called Wanda. Fish Called Wanda is 
a fucking masterpiece. Asshole! Asshole. <laughs> Never been able to do it well. All right. I love Kevin Klein. Ah, happy Me birthday, too. Kevin Klein. Me too. Good uh, for you. Good for you. Oh my God. Kevin that Klein. That Bob's Burgers movie. He's so fucking funny in it. God damn it. I love that movie. Uh, every day I wake up. I can't, I can't do this whole song, but I'm going to right after we get off mic. Thank you guys for listening. Patreon.com slash laser time. Tell a friend about the show. Give us some feedback on uh, lasertimepodcast.com under the 302010 show or in the. Uh, Laser Time Facebook or uh, on the Twitters because uh, I would love to know more about the Silent Hill movie because I kind of spaced on that one this week and I feel like I should have done a little more little more work there. I want to hear stories about the weirdest, dumbest shit you did in Vice City. Yeah, or the weirdest shit you yeah. did to imitate Jackass the movie. Yes, Ooh, yes. <laughs> that's, that's a good one too. Please. Me and my dumb little buddies, dot, dot, dot. Yeah, penis, hot sauce, love it. <laughs> And uh, we will close out the show with a little Kendrick Lamar. Swimming pools, parenthetical drink. Uh, I'll close out with that. Thank you guys for listening. We'll see you next week. Why you babysitting only two or three shots? I'm going to show you how to turn it up a notch. First you get a swimming pool full of liquor, then you dive in it. Pool full of liquor, then you dive in it. I wave a few bottles, then I watch them all fly. All the girls want to play, they watch. I got a swimming pool full of liquor and they dive in it. Boop, boop.